not a big Street Fighter fan? I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Street Fighter fan, but uh, I, I, I still take people down regardless. Who's your character? Uh, depends on the game, man. It's too many games. Okay, well, um, I played I played Rose in regular Street Fighter Four, mm-hmm. and then in Ultra Street Fighter Four, I played uh, Ibuki. Mm, Ibuki. Ibuki is actually supposed to be one of the characters for Street Fighter Five, so I'm excited. They, for that. Yeah, they've they've said that that was one of the quote unquote leaked ones. Mm-hmm. I saw all the names. Jure uh, is supposed to be back in, so it's Buki. That's interesting. Yeah, they're probably never going to add El Fuerte. El Fuerte. I hear that guy with the dread dreadlocks plays a lot like El Fuerte. Uh, the um, the, the berserker looking dude. Yeah, um, Nakali. Uh, I did not try him in the uh, beta. Um, I should have, but I didn't. I actually, I, I wanted to try Armika out, which Armika's not bad. Um, I think she's a little slow in some aspects. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like, that's the thing is like in this beta, I, I, I have played far too much El Fuerte mm-hmm. that it, it has ruined me. Um, <laughs> I can't like, even if in Ultra Street Fighter 4, if I choose a different character, I'm not going to be – I'm going to be less than half as good as I am with El Fuerte. But, but but think about it this way, right? You can still pick up characters like Ken and Ryu because they're they're like vanilla. They're like riding a bicycle again, right? Somewhat. Everyone started out playing those guys at one point, so it's easy. You Ryu. already know all the moves. You don't have to look into the move list. You know the, all the moves. That's true. I mean Ryu hasn't really changed dramatically. Um, in in uh, Street Fighter Five, mm-hmm. uh, Ken has actually changed kind of significantly. Um, his uh, his Tatsu is is very different now, um, and uh, his I don't know his Shoryuken like the medium Shoryuken for Ken has always been kind of like a never use that one. Um, while in this one, it seems a little bit more viable. Um, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's one of those things. I, I played with Ken a good amount on the beta. Um, I did a little bit of Armika. Um, I really wanted to learn Charlie or, or Nash um, because everyone, everyone is on that Nash bandwagon. It seems really fun. He um, see the thing is is that he's not a charge character anymore, and yeah. and I can't play charge characters. But there was one character in Alpha Three that I could play, and that was Charlie. Um, and he he's not a charge character anymore. So I'm like, I don't even know how to use this guy. You know, it's um. I don't know. It's it's difficult. I um I was never really good at charged characters. I didn't mind DJ at times in uh, Street Fighter Four. Um, the only other character that I got halfway decent with, like I, I chose characters that nobody else would. Like um when when they when Hakan first came out, mm-hmm. I really wanted to learn Hakan. I actually got halfway decent with him, but then I just dropped him completely. El Forte was always my main, and um, Cody was my backup. Um, but Cody is just far too slow. He's a, he's a slow, just a regular walker, and his his back walk is horrible. And he's yeah. just a, he's kind of just a low tier character. Now, don't get me wrong. There's people out there that can use him like crazy. Um, and El Forte is even kind of a low mid tier character. Um, I just like I like fast characters. I always have. Um, you know, when I, I I did play, I didn't never get into it. I probably put maybe twenty hours into a uh, Persona Four um, Arena, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and I, I like Yosuke. That was like my character to play, <laughs> um, because I like those fast moving characters. All right. Um, I like mind games. Um, that's why I like El Forte a lot. Um, his, his is all about mind games and stuff. Um, and Yosuke kind of was too with his like his faint slashes that he did. Yeah, he could he could go forward, backwards, and he could do the the thing that's unblockable that makes you confused and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The um and the uh, the great thing about El Fuerte um is like the small intricacies of El Fuerte. Like um, he, he's one of the only characters that you can actually gauge how far he jumps. So like every other character in the game, when you jump forward, they ha- they have a set where they're going to jump. Any move that spawns a jump from El Fuerte, you can gauge it. You can have it a short jump or a long jump, and that confuses the shit out of people sometimes. Right. Um, it's really easy to bait Shoryukens. It's really easy. I mean, his his run, his Halpinero dash, is crazy good just baiting people. Um, and I don't know. I have like a method. It's weird. Like it, like if I were to play it right now because I haven't played it in a few weeks, mm-hmm. um, I would be rusty. But after probably about ten matches. I could get right into that mindset again of like, <laughs> there's so many fucking calculations that's going on in my head to where, all right, if I if I do a if I start a press, I'm gonna do another one, see what happens. If he blocks, then I'll go low. If I and then if he doesn't block the low one, I'll go low again. You know, it's it's all these weird like combinations that I have in my head. Right, you you knock them down and then you basically make them play a losing guessing game and then you go from there, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's the great thing about El Fuerte. You never let your opponent get back up. You knock them down, and then you automatically start dashing again mm-hmm. and spawning something else out of it. Uh, that way, the only way they can get out of it is by doing a wake-up Shoryuken, which I can usually see that coming 75% of the time. Well, you can do the opposite direction splat thing and then beat that that way too, right? So Yeah, you can totally do a crossover mm-hmm. with the... Uh, with the um, Start a press. So I did something similar with the Dubuki where I just knock you down. I do the kunai trick, the vortex. You don't know which which side to block, and the kunai hits you and just keep knocking you down repeatedly. So you just have to guess fifty percent. You guess right, you block, and then you go into a block string, and then I do stuff. But then usually just get him dizzy and kill him. Yeah, stuff. Uh, but let's see. Have you done your homework, sir? Are you up to Are you up to chapter five at this point? Absolutely, I did that right. this week, last weekend. Damn, you're crazy, man. Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> I did chapter one, uh, or not chapter one, but chapter uh, three on Saturday, and then chapter four on uh, Sunday. It's it's kind of hard to stop once you get started. Yeah, um, because there's so many things you have to remember. Sure. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I've actually. Just, just uh, FYI, I have been recording our Street Fighter discussion because I oh. think it's, I think it's good. Okay, sure. So, hey everybody, uh, this is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down um, forty four point one, uh, and we are continuing our playthrough of Danganronpa uh, Trigger Happy Havoc. And uh, yeah, we just had a little casual conversation because it's fun to talk about fighting games because nobody else I know. Except for Ken, mm-hmm. enjoys fighting games, and Ken's a big Mortal Kombat guy, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a Mortal Kombat. Oh guy. man, I, I saw that video of uh, that that Ken uploaded of you fighting him Mortal Kombat. That was a slaughter, dude. No, I, I am fucking horrible. <laughs> I, 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 I'll put it this way: uh-huh. I love Mortal Kombat, but I suck at Mortal Kombat. That's the thing. I always love. 
NetherRealm does a really great job with their fighting games. They always have. Um, they, they put a lot of love into it. And um, I love their story mode. I wish Street Fighter would have, have a story mode like that. Um, but yeah, I play. I, I honestly play Mortal Kombat for the story stuff. It's 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 weird to say that, but I actually do. Um, and just to see like the crazy characters that come out of it, and you know, just the, all the, the the crazy fatalities and brutalities and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, you know. I, I enjoy the game the same way too. I don't even touch online. I play the single player. I go through the whole storyline, and then I'm like, oh well, I'm done with this game, and then just move on. Yeah, but Street Fighter will always be my bread and butter. I remember playing that when I was a little kid in the arcade. You know, Street Fighter, Street Fighter Two. What was it? Um, Championship Edition. Yep. Yep. That was the one we had in our, my arcade. Uh, I'd get home from school, and uh, my mom would want to run errands and stuff like that. She would drop me off at the arcade. This is when I'm like fucking seven. <laughs> this was this was like you know this was good old, parenting. Yeah, this was like old school, early '90s shit. Where you know when you go trick or treating, your parents drop you off in a neighborhood and say, "Have fun." You know, nowadays they don't even go to na- houses anymore. But um, yeah, she dropped me off. She go runs errands, and then me and I was always the youngest kid there. You know, I'd be going up against like thirteen, fourteen year old guys, and you know. It, it, I, it, that was that was my thing, you know. I would I'd go play Street Fighter. Oh, did you did you did you make your quarter or fifty cent last? <laughs> Not necessarily. Um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I I played a lot of Street Fighter two when I was a kid, but if I ever, I'd say the first fighting game I ever did competitively was actually Alpha Three. Uh, that was the first tournament that I ever played in. Um, I was. Uh, Four, no, I was about 14 or 15. I couldn't drive, I know that. Mm-hmm. And I had my dad drive me to Athens, and I competed in a tournament in Alpha 3. Um, I, my main back then was Sagat. And um, I did not win. <laughs> uh, but I uh, I did hold my own. I think I won probably about two matches. Two, two, That's cool. Two, so it was, it was your first tournament experience, eh? Yeah, that was my first yeah. tournament experience. I've never won a tournament but I have got second place in a tournament before. Nice. Uh, yeah, and that was uh, my my old El Fuerte and Vanilla Street Fighter Four. We had uh, they had a bunch of tournaments, and I went to one. And man, there were guys up there who I don't even think they knew El Fuerte was in the game because <laughs> he's, he's a very kind of unlikely character that people uses. So I can see that. Yeah, that was that's one of the advantages I always have with Fuerte is the fact that nobody uses him, so nobody knows how to fight against him. And uh, there was the first match I did. It was all right. So I put it this way: the the tournament where I got second place. Um, it was me and my two roommates went there, and then our, one of our friends, everybody who plays our Dungeons and Dragons campaign that we're doing, we all went to the tournament. And uh, my roommate and I and um, the, our other friend actually entered the tournament. And they did the whole, all right, put a number. Everybody would put numbers in a hat, and everybody draws the number, and you fight whoever you you're next to. Well, I drew number one. My roommate, Alan Bell, drew number fucking two. <laughs> and me and him were the first match of the entire thing. And Alan's like, oh, my fucking I'm, – I'm, it's over. It's over because Alan wasn't really good at Street Fighter. Um, and uh, I just kept – for some reason, it kept popping into my mind. If you remember Dragon Ball Z, mm-hmm. whenever they were doing the World Martial Arts Tournament, 
Yeah, they also drew the numbers, right? Yeah, they also drew yep. the numbers. Yep. And the first the first match was Goku versus Vegeta. <laughs> and I was like, we're getting this shit over with now. Oh, it was so great. I beat Alan. Um, and then the next guy I fought, he was playing in Akuma. Mm-hmm. That I, I perfected him both times, and like oh, he kept looking over at his friends, like I don't know what the fuck to do, I don't know what to do, <laughs> and um, but yeah, I, I beat that guy, and then I beat like two other guys, and then we went to the finals, uh, and um, it was a close one. It was another Akuma, um, and the the funny anecdote there is is that I was beating him. I beat him. Uh, we, we were doing the best out of three. And uh, I beat him. I was beating him. Um, no, it was best out of five. So I was, I was beating him by two. So I had two matches under him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, 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 the guy was a, a bit of a, a, a dick. Um, he, he kept getting pissed off. He kept saying, there's something wrong with the Xbox. <laughs> stuff like that. I'm, I'm dead serious. Okay. Um, and this time, and like, I wasn't bragging or anything. I was just sitting there. I was just playing, you know? And uh, he said, I, I want to, I want to time out. And he's like, all right. So he, he's like, I'm going to go clear my head. And he went out of the game store. And we were just sitting there. Um, and he came back. You're not allowed to do that. Well, well, this is not an official tournament. Okay. He, he paused it. And he, I was like, whatever. you know, Because, I mean, the, the guy that ran the play and trade, he was like, you know, he said, you guys want to take a break? I was like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. And um, he went outside mm-hmm. and stayed out there probably about five minutes. Came back in reeking. Of weed, I'm talking hardcore fucking marijuana, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, holy yeah. shit! Wow! And then he beat me three re- matches in a row, and I was like, you lost, you lost to a freshly high guy. I, I was like, he went out, th- he cheated, he went out there That's and used cheating. and used performance enhancing drugs <laughs> to have an advantage over me. No, I th- I think weed is supposed to slow down your reaction, not make it faster. I you know I don't know I mean. I, I, I have to give the guy props. I don't even know the guy's name. Uh-huh. Um, but he, he his Akuma was very very good. I mean, okay. I, I have to I have to give it to him. He he did have a very good Akuma. Um, uh, but the last the last match result was basically him just jumping in air fireballs, and I was like, come the fuck on, dude, really? Well, that's Akuma's game plan against. <sighs> it's it's a zoning thing, man. You can't you can't blame a guy to using a tool that's in the game. That's true, but I'm just like that's a cheap fucking zoning. It is, it is, it is cheap, but you know it makes it, it's cheap because it's effective, and if you don't have a good counter towards it, that's how fighting games work. Uh, for me, my arcade days were basically like whenever I had time, I would go on to play things like Soul Calibur or Tekken Tag, which mm-hmm. was uh, the popular thing during my arcade days. So I would go there, and I would go with maybe a dollar or maybe fifty cents, and I would just make that last. I'll go over, go to whichever machine had the more people. So if, if that day had, Soul Calibur had like a, you know, line of quarters that, uh, in the, in the sports, uh, sports center, I think, and there's no sports authority, sports center. I have a sports something was the arcade, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It was like a big place. And my biggest, biggest win streak was something like a 57. 50 fucking seven. It Tekken tag. Jesus and, Christ. <laughs> and I didn't lose at the end. I left because I wanted to get some food. So, yeah, I played a lot of arcade back in the day of those, like, before, like, PS2 days. But once I got the PS2 and I started playing all those games at home, I stopped, like, going to the arcades so much. But, yeah, arcades were good times. Well, by that time, the arcades were pretty much dead. Yeah, in the States, it's, it's, it's a big shame, man. You gotta, 
you gotta really look for your local scene in order to get some good fighting games going on these days. Yeah, it's it's hard nowadays. I know Athens, um, which is about thirty minutes from here. That's where I used to live, and that's where I did a lot of the tournaments and stuff. Mm-hmm. They got a halfway decent fighting scene. I'd say probably about forty people. Um, they 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 do have like local tournaments and stuff at people's houses. It's it's, right. it's weird because that's all they can do now. Um, and I know I know. Two guys who have went to Evo once, I believe, um, but um, they didn't, you know. There. Well, Drew, I mean, I'm planning on maybe going to like a big uh, major in the West Coast or something like that sometime. Maybe to like an Evo. I've never been to an Evo. I've been to things like NEC, uh, East Coast Throwdown, and stuff, but never to an Evo. And I do want to go. Uh, if you want to go with me sometime or meet me there, that'd be fine, man. We had a, we'd have a good time. I'm sure we would. Yeah. That's uh, that's that's something to, to think about. Yep. Because I, uh, I'm, I'm rusty on everything. <laughs> well, you know, it's not just for the playing; it's also for the spectacle, right? Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's that's one of the things. Is I'm not a speed runner, mm-hmm. but I, but I would love to go one of those, one of the AGDQs. Yeah, me too. I've never been to one of those at all. Maybe... Just to watch, you know, because yeah, I, I watch that every single fucking year. Yeah, it's it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, that's something to think about. But getting back on track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking Rompa. Oh, jeez. Jeez, we got okay. a lot to cover here, anyway. So, um, let me, I, I, I'm unprepared once again. Um, okay. Gonna, uh, why don't, why don't we leave off on the, well, why don't, why don't we start off on where we left off? So we finished chapter two in the last episode. Yeah. And how many people are survived? Oh um, man. Um, out of 15, uh, Eleven people are left, right? Yes. No, 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 no. Ten people are left. Ten people are, yeah. Yes. Um, hang on a second. I, I, I got to bring it up. <laughs> That's not helping. <laughs> That's not helping. So uh, obviously we're, we're not going to have to go into as much detail as we did because we were doing introductions and things Yeah, like introductions that. took a lot of time. So we can just go straight into the you know, the, the cases and what uh, what leads up to them and whatnot. The the biggest thing that I do want to mention here uh, mm-hmm. before getting into the actual case itself is the fact that we discover another thing. So after every trial, um, the a new part of the school is opened, and so we always get a a time to where we can just run around the school and see what new areas are open. And we go to check out one new area, uh, and we find a picture laying on the ground, mm-hmm. and uh, that picture has. Um, Mondo, it has uh, Chihiro, and it has Leon in it. And they're both smiling and having a great time, joking around. And it looks like a school setting. Mm-hmm. And the big thing is, is that the windows of the school are not barred. They are open windows, almost mm-hmm. like this was taken before they showed up here. Before they showed up, or like, but the thing is, they just met. This yeah. is the first time all these guys have met. So, where could this picture have come from? Is it is it doctored? Is it just to, just there to confuse Mikoto and everyone else? Yeah. Or is it is it like a relic from the past, or or something entirely different? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we find that picture and examine it. Uh, it confuses us, obviously, and then uh, uh, Monokuma shows up and takes the picture away from us and says, uh, that's none of your damn business, and then runs off. 
But I'm like, okay. So we're left with yet another mystery in the overarching story. Yes. Um, and I have a theory that I will say at the end uh, sure. of, this, of this podcast. Um, and I'm probably wrong, but I have the theory anyway. So uh, after discovering the new areas, which there's a rec room, there is a it, – it's not a – I want to keep calling it the piano room, but it's actually like a, a, a concert hall um, with a piano and stuff like that. Right. Uh, and um, they now open the medical bay, which is on the first floor. Uh, it had always been locked, uh, but now we can go to the uh, to the nurses' station, I guess. Right. Um. And so we we start again talking to people and stuff like that. Um, one of the big issues now is that while we have solved two murders, um, we now realize that we have a bona fide murderer living with us. <laughs> yes, uh, genocide Jill. Is, genocide Jack or Jill, you know Toko Fukawa. Yeah, she she is really. A serial killer in real life, mm -hmm. and she is now living with us. Um, and the whole thing, I'm like, okay, so what do we do about her? <laughs> because she goes in and out of being the the homicidal maniac and being regular Toko, who is insecure of herself and you know, kind of self loathing. Mm -hmm. Um. And she has a whole going back to Dragon Ball. She has this whole thing of where she, when she sneezes, she changes into her other personality, just like a Dragon Ball Z character or a Dragon Ball character rather, um, which is Launch. Yeah, Launch never came back in Dragon Ball Z, does she? Uh, she showed she had one cameo, uh -huh. uh, and it was whenever uh, they were fighting. This is how fucking nerdy I am. Okay, uh, she had a cameo when she when they were fighting Majin Buu for the last time. And uh, they wanted to create a spirit bomb, and it showed everybody from the series giving their energy to the spirit bomb. I am surprised and also sort of disappointed that you know this trivia. Yeah. <laughs> I Okay. I know a lot about Dragon Ball. Hey, you know, I, I love Dragon Ball too, but I don't know, like, specific trivia stuff. I, yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's okay. ingrained into me. I, that was... That was part of my nostalgia period was watching Dragon Ball Z. So I know a Fair lot enough. about it. Fair enough. So she basically suffers from some kind of dissociative personality disorder, right? Yeah. So she can be this one person who is basically harmless and faints at the sight of blood or turn into a person that's a serial killer that has killed maybe a dozen or more people uh, you know, in, in the past. So all kind of like an archetype of these like cute men or men she would consider to be cute. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's very dangerous to have around. Yeah. I mean, she has said multiple times that she really wants to kill Bayuka. Uh, Byakuya. Bakuya. I can't. It's been a long it's been a just, while. Just, just say Togami. Togami, Togami yeah. Uh, the douchebag. Yes. <laughs> the douchebag guy who is actually pretty intelligent. Mm -hmm. um, uh, she she is enamored with him. But she also says that he, he, you know, she wants to kill him. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's her end goal is like, I'm in love with him. I don't want to kill him, you know, because that's what I do. But she hasn't killed him yet. Um, he kind of 
manipulated her by saying that, like, you know, you have to promise me that you won't kill anybody. But, like, and then she added some stipulations saying that, like, if you don't, if, did you mean that if I don't kill anybody, you would go out with me? He never said that, obviously, but she believes it because she is kind of this, uh, like, kind of disillusioned and she's kind of crazy. (laughs) And, you know, she's a, she's a massive masochist. Oh, yeah. She loves the abuse, and Biakoya gives it like nobody's business. So, yeah, yeah. quite the uh, quite the asshole there. Yeah. So, <clears throat> after discovering all that stuff, oh jeez, you're gonna have to help me on this because this one, this one, this one has a lot of layers. This one has a lot of layers, and I think so far it's the hardest one, even above chapter four. Um. Chapter four, I kind of figured out immediately. Okay, that's good. Um, I wouldn't say immediately, but I kind of that was when I first saw it. I was like, okay, there's there's multiple options here, and this is one of them. And kind of found out it was that one. Okay. Um, but in this one, the chapter three case, holy shit! <laughs> yeah, you thought you thought chapter two was complex, but chapter three uh, takes it to a new level. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> let's start off with the beginning at mm-hmm. the beginning. Um, we're running around the school, um, and we hear somebody scream. Uh, and when, uh, we go to see who it is, um, the, uh, God, what was it? Uh, it, it the, 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 the Celeste was not, well, it was it's Celeste, but I mean, the the person who um found Celeste it was um the swimmer uh, it was the swimmer girl right uh yeah I think so it was swimmer I owe you right yeah she um she's the one that screamed because she saw that Celeste is is basically been beat up um she uh, when we get to her uh she has she's kind of like getting up off the ground. Um, she says that somebody tried to attack her, um, and uh, it also attacked. Um, oh God, I can't even remember his name now. Um, Ifumi. Ifumi. Uh, it attacked him and drug him away, or dragged mm-hmm. him away. Um, and she actually snapped a photo of the guy because she has. Uh, she found a, or we found a, a camera, an anime camera. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that, but, um, mm-hmm. she found a camera at, or we found a camera. She took it cause she said, I'd like to take some pictures and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, she took a picture of the assailant, uh, and the assailant is a mech. Yep. <laughs> it is. It looks like, I mean, it looks like a Gundam, uh, it, it does kind of look. It looks like one of those Saturday morning cartoons that, that that like is becomes formed by combining from a lot of little mechs at the same time. It looks like a pi- it looks like the Power Rangers, you know. Yeah, Power Ranger Voltron kind of thing. Yeah, it looks like one of those things. So, um, and the picture she has is of this mech looking thing grabbing a hold of. Say his name again. Uh, Yamada or Hifumi. Yeah. Uh, the well, I, I should mention because we, the people that's listening may not know the names. Um, the the uh, fanfic writer, yeah, the, the, ulti- the fat ass, yeah, otaku guy, the ultimate otaku guy. Um, 
dragging him away uh, or being being you know manhandled by him and uh <laughs> so we're like okay what the hell is going on with that uh at this point we're missing two people technically we're missing three people um we're we're missing um our ultimate psychic uh which is a hero we mm-hmm. are like everybody calls him hero um uh we're also missing um the god the moral I, compass yeah we're missing him what is his name uh his name was i got to bring this up because it's, it's going to ruin me Ishimaru. Ishimaru, yeah. Ishimaru. We're missing him. Um and we are also missing um kind of our leader of sorts. Yeah, the ultimate question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah. Who's been kind of helping us through all the cases, Kyoko. Yeah, Kyoko. Um we don't know where she is as well. Um but we decide to split into groups to see if we can find um the uh, fanfic writer. So um, we uh, we we decide to check out different floors uh, because what where this happened was on the uh, third floor um, where the rec room is. So uh, we check the second floor while uh, or I say we it, it, we is in it is us Celeste. Uh, probably Sakura. No, was it was Bieka also there as well? No, it was basically everyone except for the missing people, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the the, fir- the the group, the first group that that was not with us was Biakia, Toko, and Sakura. The group that was with us was Celeste, us, and Swimmer Girl. Yeah, so basically separate into two groups to find uh, find where the the Hifumi guy went or got got kidnapped to. And then there's another discovery by the other group. Mm-hmm. Um, what ends up happening is is that we we find uh, when we go down to the first floor, uh, we find the, um, the 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 fanfic writer. And he uh, has been hit uh, in the head with a giant hammer. Um, and he's he's alive, uh, but he's he's bleeding. He's he's kind of disoriented. Right. Um. So uh, we take him to the nurses' station to possibly get him to pat, patched up. Uh, at that point, we then hear Celeste scream. She says that she found she she saw the the mech guy running away, going up to the second floor. Uh, so we go back to the second floor, um, and uh, we can't find anybody. Uh, but it, but then at that time, uh, we we hear Celeste kind of screech out again, uh, and she said that she saw him go up to the third floor. So then when we go up to the third floor, uh, we then run into um, Sakura and uh, Bayuka and Toko. They um, have found a discovery as well. Um, oh, no. 
that that happens afterwards. Yeah, that happens afterwards. Yeah, when we go up to the second floor, um, we hear Celeste scream. Go back downstairs to the nurses station, and that's where we find the fanfic writer dead. He is laying there. There's the email that I always get every recording. Thank you, professional Drew. Well done. I, you know what though? This email is actually uh, for us about Danganronpa. So there we. Okay. Go. All right. You know what? Fair. Fair. Yeah. I, I will pass. allow it. I'll allow okay. it. Okay. Um, so yeah, we we find um, we find in the nurses' station um, the fanfic writer bashed in the head once again mm-hmm. uh, with a giant hammer, a, a different giant hammer this time, even a bigger, a, a even bigger, bigger hammer, a even bigger hammer uh, that has a different number on it. Uh, there's there's blood everywhere. The blood is covering his whole head, even his glasses. And in that moment, as you discover the body, uh, there's an announcement that pops up for a body dis- uh, discovery. Yeah. From Monokuma. Yeah, uh, Monokuma, uh, which I don't know if we mentioned in the last episode. Uh, when three students discover a body, um, and a, a Monokuma will come over the intercom with an announcement saying that a body has been discovered. Now uh, you must start your investigation. Um, but then at that point we run back into, um, the other group, right? the other group. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bayuka actually comes down, uh, and he says, Hey, we found something. And then we go up to the third floor and we find, uh, they're laying dead with his head bashed in with another giant hammer. Um, the, uh, I don't Ishimaru, Ishimaru. The, the moral compass. The moral. Uh, and then uh, we can go over this later because we forgot to mention it about the whole thing with the laptop with the Chihiro and stuff. Yeah, we did. forgot, but we'll mention it as we're going through the case. Case, yeah, yeah, okay. So, um, but yeah, so um, we then find another body. Um, Then we hear Celeste scream again. We go back downstairs to the first floor, to the nurses' station, and then we find that the the body, <laughs> the body of the um, the fanfic writer, mm-hmm. uh, that that giant giant man, is gone. We can't find his body. So, we're like, okay, what the fuck's going on? So then we go back up to the third floor, to where the moral compass's body is, and it's gone. Oh, disappearing bodies everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) I like this part because um, as calm and collective as... Bayuka is. Mm-hmm. He's even freaking out. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, I don't know what the hell I'm looking at right now. <laughs> because it's, like, it's only been like minutes, and then these spiders are just, just disappearing left and right. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a uh, it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So then we da- decide to split up and see if we can find either a this giant robot running around or B try to find these bodies. 
also, we don't know where where the hell anybody is. Um, we don't know where um, the uh, Kirigiri is. Mm-hmm. We also don't know where Hero is. The uh, the the psychic guy. We haven't seen them all day. So, well, we then split up. We start searching. Uh, eventually, we get word that they have found uh, the bodies. They were, um, they're in the, um, the, the, there was a new, another section that we forgot to mention, um, which is the, uh, it's kind of like an arts mm-hmm. area. Uh-huh. And there's a, there's a, uh, kind of like a supply closet there. It's and, like a really large supply closet with a lot of tools and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, then we, um, we find the, um, both bodies are in the, uh, closet, supply closet. And then another announcement comes on over the radio saying, congratulations, you found another body. <laughs> so begins the investigation. Uh, nope. You forget one crucial thing. I forget one crucial thing. Yes. Right as you discover him, uh, the swimmer girl, Aoi, goes up to Hifumi and then notices that he's actually not completely dead. He's barely hanging on. Oh, and with yeah, his last dying yeah. words, he says, Yasuhiro. Yeah. And then he dies. And then he dies, yeah. I forgot and, about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, that ends up being, obviously, he just named the killer, right? Yeah. It's, this, is, this is a close kid. This is as easy as it's going to get. Yeah. He just named the guy that, that killed him. Exactly. And we don't know where Hiro is. Yeah. So now we begin the investigation. Um, oh, and guess who shows up after the investigation? <laughs> Kirigiri. <laughs> so we're like, okay, where the hell you been? And it's like, it's not important. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> Can she be any more suspicious, right? So we don't know who to trust here. Yeah. And I don't even know where to begin as far as like investigating goes. It's like how there's a, we have to go multiple floors, mm-hmm. investigate multiple rooms. So they have uh, before when we first encountered um, the fanfic guy when he was injured. Uh, we talked to him for a minute. Who did this to you? He said it was that fucking robot that attacked him, and he has decided to label that robot. Uh, he calls it um, Robo Justice. Robo Justice. I was going to say Commander Justice for some reason, <laughs> uh, but Robo Justice. Um, he he calls it that because it has. R and J on its shoulder pads. Um, and it also uses the hammers, which are all labeled, uh, the hammer of justice, justice hammer, justice hammer. Yeah. Justice hammer, uh, one, two, three, and four. And with each attack, the size of the hammer goes up. So he uses a separate hammer every time. Uh, and the size of them go up. So one is smaller than two, two is smaller than three, and so on. So um, now we begin our investigation. Uh, the first one being, let's check the dead bodies. So there's a few things uh, to note here. Both Both people, both corpses have been bashed in with a... Hammer, blunt force trauma to the head. Um, so it's, 
I mean, it's kind of apparent how they died. But the, the biggest question is, is where did they die? So we all know we found them in that room, uh, officially. Mm-hmm. But unofficially, when we originally ran into them, uh, the moral compass guy was on the third floor. Um, and the, the fanfic writer was on the first floor when we first found them and both were dead. Somehow somebody has moved both bodies, uh, to the second floor. See, but but that begs the question. Yeah. Because for what purpose did they move the bodies? Right. And two, and more importantly, who could have done it? Right. Yeah. So I should mention that where where we found the bodies finally was actually on the third floor. Um, right. So uh, somebody had to move uh, both bodies. Uh, one of them going up multiple flights of stairs, which that body is really hard to move. I think he weighs about three hundred something pounds. Yeah. And. In a matter of minutes, no less, because we, you know, we we were gone probably three minutes tops while we were, you know, investigating the the the, the screams and stuff like that. And when we returned, both bodies were gone. Yeah, something doesn't add up because it seems like an impossible crime, because nobody uh, in that in their group. Has the has the strength in order to carry that body? Maybe Sakura can, but she was basically there with the rest of the group the whole entire time. Yeah, I'm being accounted for, so it was clearly not her. Um, so it it really ends up being something very difficult. Like there's no elevators or anything like that that they could have taken either. Yeah, but there's no trick to it. Yeah, that's the weird thing about it is that pretty much everybody that was with us has an alibi because right. we we were with everybody. So, <laughs> so why don't we go by like the rooms that you go to and what you find? Okay, right. So do it that way. All right. So the first room we'll talk about. I, I may not have been the first room I looked at, but the first room I looked at was um, the uh, the the first the first time we find um, the moral compass's body, which is kind of like another storage room. Um, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a place where you you can keep stuff. Um, but at the same time, it's also a place where they can possibly move stuff to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that we do remember when we go in is that, uh, there was a dolly there. Um, and, uh, the dolly is now gone and is actually in the room, the, the art supply room where we found the two dead bodies finally. Um, at the same time, uh, a tarp is also missing, and uh, you can see where the blood stains were. It looks like the dolly had rolled through the blood, so you can see kind of like tracks leading out. Yes, and there was some traces of the blood on the dolly's wheel itself. Yeah. So that's the first uh, room. Uh, the second room we go to is actually the nurse's station, where we originally found the... Um, the I keep forgetting what his name is. Hifumi. But you could just keep calling him the uh the fanfic guy. Yeah, the fanfic guy. That would probably be the best way to do it. Just mm-hmm. the fanfic guy. Uh the the three hundred three hundred and fifty pound guy. 
um, where we originally found him, tons of blood everywhere. Um, and obviously no body because it moved. Um, but there's a few things that we do find. Uh, the first one being, um, in the trash can of the, uh, of the nurse's station, we find a bloody rag. It's a, uh, looks like a, almost like a, um, one of those, uh, microfiber cloths that you used to clean your glasses with. Right. Um, and it has blood all over it. And it's got the, the anime design that the fanfic guy really loved. Yes, it does. So obviously we can imagine that's probably his. Mm-hmm. What's it doing in the trash? Why has it got blood all over it? Um, and then... Um, there was also the, the the fridge unit that was uh, keeping the blood just in case people needed blood transfusions. Since this is the nurse's office, so it would have something like that. Yeah. So there were blood packs and stuff like that. Uh Conveniently located uh, to the right side, where in the in the fridge. Yeah. So after that, um, we then go to examine the bodies, and when we examine the bodies on upon closer inspection, we see that um, the fanfic guy who wears glasses, um, obviously because he's a nerd. Um, I say that because I wear glasses, mm-hmm. and I am a nerd. Um, he his glasses are completely wiped clean, yet his entire head is covered in blood. Yep. So we're like, okay. And we distinctly distinguishly remember when we discovered his body in the nurse's office, his glass was also covered in blood. Yeah. So it seems that the killer that moved him from the nurse's office must have wiped his glasses clean before moving him. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, that's, am I missing anything? Well, and then at this point, we go to the, we go to where Kyoko tells us to go, and then we find the hero who was trapped inside of a locker. Yeah. In the, in the suit of, wearing the suit of our, suit of a mech thing called Robo Justice yeah. still. Yeah, we find Robo Justice. He is in, stuffed into a locker. Uh, and uh, can't get out of the suit. He's to asking everybody to, hey, get me out of the suit, and they're like, well, how do you do it? There's actually a clamp that the person who is in the suit can't actually reach and pull themselves out of. So whoever is in the suit can't get out of it. Um, and so it's kind of this weird suit that, shouldn't really work right. it seems like or or why would you get in it if you couldn't get out of it yeah it seems like it was designed very poorly and uh on that note uh, before we got to see him we also went into hero's room yeah which was unlocked and we actually saw and found the, the blueprints for robo justice there as well yeah we found a bunch of boxes and a bunch of equipment mm-hmm. to put robo justice together and the schematics for it but uh, when we confront Hero about these crimes that he, he he has committed, he says, "I didn't do any of it. I was just knocked out, and I was I was put in. I guess I was put into the suit. But obviously, the people just won't believe it because him and Kyoko were the only people that were kind of available to commit this crime. Yeah, and 
Kyoko obviously probably wasn't wearing the suit at the time. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we, we went over the whole possession is nine-tenth of the law, right? Mm-hmm. That, that comes up once again to some degree. So, and at this point, that's it. That's, that's the end of the investigation. Well, there's a few other things. Um, mm-hmm. The first one being that it, we talked to Hero for a while in the pool area, and he's like, I didn't make this suit. I don't know what's going on. I don't even know how I got into the suit. And they're like, well, maybe there's a second suit. Maybe there's still somebody running around here in the suit. And they're like, there's only one suit, and you're the one that's got it. And he's like, well, maybe somebody else got in it. Because he's like, I just woke up. Mm-hmm. you know. And they're like, well, the thing is, is that nobody can fit in the suit except for him. It's like it's custom made for him because he's a really tall, lanky guy. Right. And um, like there's a couple of people. I think uh, Makoto himself tries to get into it. And he can't fit in it. And then the swimmer girl, she can't fit into it. And she even says that like it's so poorly made you can't even bend at the waist. Right. No so, matter no matter who's wearing it, you can't even bend at the waist. Yeah, you, it. you can't bend at the waist to even bend over to like try to get yourself out of it. So um but after that, that's when Monokuma calls everybody and says, Hey, it's time for the trial, and I'm like, I don't even know where to go with this. Yeah, you're like, I don't even know who did it at this point. Uh, yeah, damn. yeah. I'm, I, I honestly, I, like, when I went into this, I was like, oh fuck, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so we begin the trial, um, and I had my ideas, mm-hmm. um, which you know we're not we're not trying to spoil anything, or, or I mean, it's not like we're trying to keep spoilers or anything like that. My theory was was that fanfic guy wasn't dead, uh, and he got up and moved himself. Okay. Um, but I thought it, it was weird because obviously it's kind of a dead giveaway when you find his his glasses cleaner, right? You know, with blood on it, and his glasses are wiped clean. Obviously, he got up and he couldn't see, so he wiped off his glasses. From there, I don't know what happened. What I originally thought was he was he was still injured, and he eventually just kind of collapsed, and 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 then we found him, and then he he did his little dying wish thing, or you know gave his. So dying you're message. saying that uh, he he faked his own death basically, and that he was still alive even at this point. I don't, th- but at the time I didn't think it was nefarious. Okay. Uh, at the time I thought he was actually injured. Like I thought he like somebody hit him in the head, but he wasn't actually dead. He was knocked out or something like that. And okay. then while we were gone, he got up and and went somewhere else, and then passed out, and then eventually died of blood loss or something like that. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, as far as who who killed uh, the moral compass, no idea. <laughs> I was like, I don't know where this is going at all. So, um. But yeah, going into the trial, um, I there, there's another thing I do have to mention, and I started realizing it here, is that no matter how much I can't stand Bakuya, mm-hmm. I don't think he's a killer. You don't think so? Well, well, here here's my here's my thing on it. It's because okay. every time we have done a trial. Even though he he tries to to make it he tries to misdirect everything, 
he will never direct it in a way that could ever get him caught. And my thing is, is that if he ever did commit a murder, he would shut the fuck up. <laughs> that that's my thing. Because but wouldn't that make it too obvious that it, he was the killer at that point? It, it He's would, too smart for that. It would make it too obvious, but at the same time, he is constantly helping Makoto. You know, whether he he realizes it or not, he's always he's most of the time taking the lead in investigations. He's most of the time, like during the trials, giving Makoto answers. Almost, he's kind of leading Makoto. Now, granted, he could be doing that to his advantage if he is a murderer, but but for the most part, he's he's doing this because he doesn't want to get this shit wrong either. Yes, of course. I mean, if you get it wrong and you're not the killer, then everyone dies except for the killer. So it it behooves him to work together whether he wants to or not. Yeah. And I think at this point, um, he recognizes that Makoto and probably especially Kirigiri has kind of like the detective sense. They can they can really be useful to him as tools in order to get to the bottom of the case. My my thing is is here's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. I see Kirigiri as the detective. I see Makoto as the the public defender. You know, okay. they're they're kind of like working together. Um, right. Makoto's more of the talker, more mm-hmm. of the presenter, while Kirigiri is kind of behind the scenes gathering the clues. Right. She gives you the evidence. She pushes you in the right direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. It's it's interesting those those dynamics, and I, I kind of like that. They play off each other really well. Yep. Uh, so. <laughs> Take the lead on this, man, because I don't... (laughs) Sure, at the very beginning, you have to get the obvious out of the way, right? Yeah. Everyone thinks Shiro is the killer. Yeah. There's overwhelming evidence that says he's the killer because he's wearing the suit. He has no alibi for the times when uh, these people were killed. So he basically needs to defend himself. And the first thing they say is like, well, I mean, we we saw the design for the suit in your room. And... Basically, it comes down to that that was actually just planted in his room by analyzing his handwriting with the handwriting on the blue uh, the blueprints of the the design of the the suit. Yeah, they noticed that it's completely different. Uh, the, the so it was most likely passed off, and also the the way the design of the suit worked is that as we said, once you put it on, you can't take it off. Yeah. And there is no way you would design a suit that way unless you purposely wanted to trap the person wearing it inside the suit without having a way to take it off. Yeah. So it's these little bits of evidence start piling up, making it so that even though Hero seemed to be the most likely perpetrator, he doesn't seem to be at all. Yeah, he was actually pointed out by one of the victims, you know. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you know, that's that could have just easily been wrote off as kind of – the last, uh, last breath of like a dying man. You know, you don't know what you're saying. Like, when you're, when you're, when the blood is draining from your brain, like, you're not really giving credible, credible evidence to anything in particular. So even that is kind of questionable. But that, that was still something that hung on the minds of the people that were thinking about the case. Yeah. But, the, but the other evidence is pointed towards that it wasn't him. But if it wasn't him, then who else could it have been at this point? Exactly. But the other bigger picture and the other question is how the fuck did the bodies get moved? Right. And it's to the point where we're starting to put those pieces together with, well, I have a theory. And theory is I don't think fanfic guy was actually dead. 
And like, how do you come up with that? Well, he wiped his glasses off, or somebody did, and he's three hundred and something pounds. Nobody could have moved him up three two flights of stairs in three minutes, right? By themselves, especially if you're wearing this fucking robot costume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not. So, um, that's that's the other kind of thing that they come to the conclusion to. So. All right, now we've established that we don't believe that fanfic guy was actually dead when we found him first. Right, but that means that the body discovery that they heard uh, when they discovered uh, the fanfic guy was actually just the body discovery of them discovering the moral compass guy and yeah. all the way across the other, other side of the school. Yeah. So it was almost timed to seem like they both had found – a different body, but at the same time. But the clue that came in is the fact that they got a discovery uh, discovery announcement when they found them together. Yeah. And Monokuna, uh, Monokuma uh, specified that you don't get another discovery uh, announcement for discovering the same body again. Yeah. So that means the second time uh, the announcement went off was the time that Hifumi was actually found dead and not yeah. the first time. And that basically put a nail in the coffin on the fact that Hifumi was actually alive and uh, you know he wiped his own glasses and he walked over to, um, to, to the place and then died here for some reason. Yeah. Um, so uh, at, that, at that point, um, we're like, okay, well, if he didn't die there – um, who killed him at the other place? Right. Well, we don't know that. Table that and come back. How did the other body get moved? Because we know for a fact that Moral Compass was dead. Yes. So somebody did move that body and moved it to where its final destination was, which is also where the nerd Fucking <laughs> fanfic guy, you said fanfic, I'm a fanfic guy. guy. I, I know fanfic guy. I keep forgetting fan. I keep wanting to say comic book guy for Not some reason. Like worst episode ever. I know. Yes. Um. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So the the final destination was also where a murder took place, mm -hmm. but also where they finally dropped off the body of the moral compass. So. Let's try and figure that out. So they first say that maybe it was Hiro after all. And maybe Hiro and Hifumi were in it together, maybe. Uh, and Hiro was the one that moved the body by putting the, the body and wrapping the body in a tarp and then pushing the body um, across using the dolly. Yeah. But that turned out to be impossible because anyone wearing the suit cannot bend down. It's just designed so poorly that you can only stand up at all times. Right. And that actually brought to a point that maybe Hifumi was the only person uh, in the right place at the right time in order to be able to uh, push the body. Because if he was still alive, that means he was available to do all these things. But if that was the case, then why was the uh, the suit built in such a way where if you're wearing it, you have to be standing at all times? And then they remembered the picture that Celeste took. At the very beginning of the case, that, that kind of sparked this whole thing with RoboJustice and everything. The picture where RoboJustice, who was supposed to be Hero at the time, was grabbing onto Hifumi and dragging him away. Yeah. And that picture would have been very easily staged even if the body was unconscious 
or conscious it doesn't it doesn't matter because the person would have would have to be standing there the whole time yeah so it brings into question perhaps celeste has a part in this somehow yeah so what ends up happening is that finally hero breaks down because he's to the point now where he's like i'm not the one who did this something happened to me and like he finally breaks down and tells us during the trial i went to go meet with somebody Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened there. So he feels like he had been drugged and was probably shoved into the Robo Justice costume. And then he basically just woke up in the locker. Um, and we find out through messages there was some messages that were delivered to people's um to people's doors up under you know shoved the message up under their door because we found uh pieces of paper uh hifumi uh the comic book guy i'm just calling him that uh he was holding he was holding a piece of paper uh and uh in the clutches of the moral compass guy there was a ripped small little piece of paper in his hand well, the paper was written and said to meet meet me in the rec room at 2 a.m. Or no. At I think it was 1 a.m. Yeah, 1 a.m. That was the first one was the 1 a.m. Uh, the, the, the one that was in his hand said meet me in the rec room at 6 a.m. I think 6 p.m. Or 7 oh, p.m. actually, 7 p.m. No, no, no. One, one of them was, was early in the morning. It was 6 a.m. 6 a.m. was yeah, it? Yeah, right before okay. right before wake up time. Okay, sure. Um so what we find out is uh was that that letter was meant to go to the moral compass. Um and he was supposed to meet up with whoever wrote it uh where he was murdered uh at 6 a.m. that morning. And that's where he 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 found he was found and, and killed. Uh, and it was also wrote wrote or written in the same handwriting as the person who did the schematics for Robo Justice, mm-hmm. which we've kind of established was the the fanfic writer. Right. It's it, everything fits because it's that's like the thing that he loves. He loves anime, and clearly uh, he, he would design something that looks like that too. Yeah. So we have kind of come to the conclusion that Hifume was actually the guy who killed the moral compass guy. So we get that, but who killed him? And that's when we get into the discussion of somebody is an accomplice to somebody. Um, and we don't know exactly who. Um, for the longest time, we thought Hero was. Mm-hmm. But then we get into the photograph, and we say that the photograph could easily have been staged. So if somebody were to be passed out in the suit, as Hero says he was, they could easily have just draped him over Hifume and just took the picture looking like he was being dragged. And then this begs the question, if this picture was staged... Then the person who took it, which was Celeste, must have been in on it. 
And then we begin asking Celeste questions. Yeah. And we start noticing a pattern. When every single time the group needed to split up or go to a different area, whose scream or whose order did they follow? It was Celeste. Yeah. And Celeste was the only person who saw the robo-justice walking around and nobody else. Yeah. She was basically leading people from one place to the other uh, in, in a very elaborate stage manner in order to kind of get all these things together. Uh, to kind of give the opportunity for Hifumi, who was pretending to be dead at the nurse's office, in order to give him the time and opportunity to move yeah. and then move the other body. And it started all coming together. But that's all circumstantial evidence. We need a definitive piece of evidence in order to prove that once and for all. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to remind me what that was. <laughs> um, there was, <laughs> you don't there was, there was one thing, uh, basically. So the one thing that we, we kind of stashed up back then is the fact that Hifumi said the name of his killer when he died. He said yeah. Yasuhiro. And Yasuhiro is the first name. Of hero, obviously the the clairvoyant. Yeah. And Celeste says, but he already gave the name of his killer. He's this there. It's 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 proof. But they say, but what if one of the people here didn't tell us their real name? And they point to Celeste, who has introduced herself as Celeste Ludenberg. Which is obviously a very, very odd name for a Japanese or half-Japanese person to have in Japan. Yeah. And they said, well, why don't you tell us your real name? And she keeps on saying, it's Celeste, it's Celeste. But a place where you can always see a person's real name is their e-handbook. Exactly. Whenever you power up your e-handbook, you'll notice their real name. Uh-huh. And the thing is, the fanfic guy always referred to people... In their last name, he always referred to Makoto as Naegi-san uh, and uh, vice versa. For every single person, he would refer to them in the in the last name. It's kind of a respect thing that they do. You're only supposed to call people by their first name if you're very familiar with them. And uh, he didn't do that. And it turned out that by checking or by checking uh, Celeste's ebook, her last name was Yasuhiro. Yeah. And that ends up being the definitive last piece of the puzzle that nails uh, that nails this case together. Yeah, it was Celeste working with Hifumi, and um, I guess you, we can go into the the motivation or how she manipulated Hifumi to do this. Yeah, we actually kind of saw it earlier on um, yeah. in a, in an earlier case where she was wanting tea or something like that, mm-hmm. and she was able to manipulate him into making tea for them for her. Mm-hmm. And then treating him like garbage afterwards, uh, and he was just eating it up. Um, so yeah, she she was trying to get out of here, obviously, uh, and she wanted to have somebody murdered. So what her plan was was to first set up Hero to be to for everybody to think it was him. So she had him create a, a gigantic suit. And have him be his, be her accomplice. But as they've always pointed out, said, well, why would you ever want to be somebody's accomplice when Monokuma himself said that the accomplice does not get to go free 
Uh, only the person who actually does the murdering gets to go. So uh, what she promised him was that if you kill the moral compass guy, uh, I will help you, and then you help me kill somebody. What he didn't realize was was her plan was for him to kill the moral compass guy and stir up all this confusion and then her kill him. So that way there's no loose ends. Right. It's, it ends up being a two-layered two-layered murder and it will become incredibly complicated. And this, as we described it and as you just listened to, it's just a lo- giant web of events yeah. and evidence. It was, it was not easy to track down this, uh, this end. And actually the way she really got him to come along with this is that she riled him up. Yeah. There was this um, – she basically said that uh, – she alluded to that this guy, uh, this moral compass guy actually like roughed her up. And maybe even raped her, uh, trying to trying to get some answers out of her or trying to get something from her. And she basically put on this like really sob story about the obviously all fake. Yeah. Uh, she she's known as the ultimate gambler for a reason, and she's able to bluff and she's able to fake. She's 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 a liar of a professional degree. Yeah. And she was able to understand what this guy was kind of thinking that he would kind of rise to the occasion and say like, "Oh, this guy is a real bastard." You know, I won't I won't kind of become like making him into this like good guy when he was just actually just being manipulated and used the whole time. But she also used another thing too that we mm-hmm. forgot to mention, which is the laptop. Um, so before we get into the verdict for her, um, the in between, there's always something that happens in between the cases and, uh, this go around, we discover, we're not going to get into the whole mystery thing. Everybody thought it was a ghost or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we discovered that, uh, before Chihiro died, um, he created, a computer program using a laptop that they found in the library. Uh, and this computer program, uh, since he was like the ultimate programmer and ultimate, I guess, hacker, mm-hmm. uh, he, he devised a program uh, that is kind of like an AI. I mean, and it, it acts and thinks just like he does. In fact, it even uses his face uh, as it, when, when talking to people. Right. Uh, and uh, he programmed it to basically hack into the system of the school uh, as well as hack into um, the the laptop itself and find these uh, encrypted uh, files, uh, hopefully to get some clues on either how to escape or what's actually going on here, uh, stuff like that. But it's going to take a few days uh, to, to actually break in. So they leave the computer in the one room where there are no cameras, and that is actually the locker room of the bathhouse. Yep. Um, so that's kind of like a kind of like a safe zone to where whoever's watching on the cameras can't see what's going on in there. Uh, so they leave the laptop there for a few days. This is during a time where you can go and talk to people and and bring their loyalty up or whatever. Um. And uh, during that time, they we we discover a few things. One of them being, well, the the there is no real data that they can bring up. Um, uh, the the laptop is kind of like just got it's been kind of wiped clean. They do, however, know that there 
something has happened at this school. Uh, it doesn't go into detail, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, something happened at this school, like a very, very bad thing happened at this school about a year ago. And we were like, well, we kind of already know this. Um, and that, that was all they could bring up. But they have another plan, which we will get into in the next chapter. And so, but the, the thing is, is that the, the fanfic guy kind of fell in love with the fucking computer program. He loves 2D, man. Yeah. And he, he constantly would sneak off and go talk to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, Celeste found that out, stole the laptop and used it kind of as bait as well for him to get. Yeah. And then she do. basically said that, uh, he, uh, the, the moral compass guy stole it. And yeah. it was him that did it. So he, he basically channeled all of his rage and anger and made this guy out to be some crazy villain, which he really wasn't. He was, you know, he was very confused and being kind of crazy at the time, trying to channel his inner Mondo. But, uh, yeah, that's not, that's not that important. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's, that's how she did it. And she gets executed how? She gets executed by being burned at the stake and mm-hmm. then having a fire truck run her over. Yeah, you see the fire truck. She's like about to start being like really crispy, and then you see the fire truck light up and starts racing towards the scene where all this fire and everything. You think like, oh, maybe they're just gonna hose her off or something, but no, it just goes full force off of a ramp and just rams right into her. Yeah, and so that's yeah, she, yeah that was an execution. She's dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being burned alive and then getting run over by uh, a fire truck will do that to a person. Yep. So that's the end of chapter three. And then how many people are left now? Uh, there are, oh Jesus, that was three people out. Mm-hmm. So that means there are eight people. No, seven, seven people left. Yep. These people are dropping like hotcakes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so <laughs> the, uh, the beginning of the next chapter actually begins with, uh, Makoto actually breaking curfew, no less. He's, he's going out, um, uh, to uh, I can't remember what he was doing. I think he was... he was actually checking out the secret room that Kyoto talked about. Yes, yes. This is this is why Kyoko was missing during the 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 events of a lot of the events of uh, Chapter Three. Is because she was actually investigating a lot of the new places that opened up. Yeah, and she found the secret area in the boys' bathroom. Yeah, and it, it leads into this kind of like an office where there are these all these files and stuff like that talking about uh, uh, what happened previously and everything. And Makoto goes to investigate this area after curfew trying not to uh, kind of uh, let off that he's doing anything suspicious. Right. And when he gets there, he starts reading over the files. But then all of a sudden, this masked figure... It uh, looks like some kind of wrestling mask. It, lo- it does. Right? It looks like a luchador mask. It looks like a luchador mask. Comes up behind him and knocks him over the head. And then after that, he wakes up and all the files are gone. And he's woozy. And he's he's just kind of feeling in pain. And he's trying to walk back into his room. And then he sees something very interesting. Mm. <sighs> Fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to lead you off so we can go back and forth. Come that, on, that's that's true. You. That's true. Sorry, sorry. Okay. I, I I kind of trailed off. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, he sees uh, in the gym, Sakura and Monokuma are going at it. 
They this are is like, like this is like fists of the North Star fighting. Yeah, they're doing jump kicks and there's lightning and yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> they're fighting like this crazy battle, and uh, Sakura is there and she tells Monokuma, "I'm no longer doing your crap for you. I'm going to resist you." Oh no, that means your prediction about who the 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 masterminds uh, <laughs> masterminds crony was. Yeah, you said you said hero. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. Unfortunately, it is. It is Sakura. Yes. Which is shocking because she seemed to be a really, really like above board, very straightforward person. Yeah. The 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 thing it gets me now um, mm-hmm. is that the people who are left aside from Toko, obviously, mm-hmm. I don't think they're bad people. Do you, ba- do, do you ba- think so? Yeah, Bakuya is a douchebag. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I think he he could murder if he wanted to, mm-hmm. but I don't I, I don't think that's in his character. Just like if it was outside of this, I don't think it was in his character. Well, uh, that's the thing. I think I think none of these people would have killed minus genocide. Jill, yeah, uh, would have killed outside of we we've seen the circumstances, right? There's desperation. People pushed to the brink. And basically, these motivations and incentive to kill are the are the reasons why they've been killing each other at all. Yeah. So it just, I mean, Celeste herself, her reasoning, I guess we didn't go over that, is the fact that she kind of played it off like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm okay. We'll we'll just spend the rest of our life here. But this whole time, she was lying about that. Yeah. More than anyone else, she wanted to get out. Like her her goal in life, obviously, was kind of something vain. But that was her goal. And every single day, every single minute that she spent there, she felt like she was suffocating and dying. And this whole time, she's been plotting a way to try to get out. And that that was that was a thing because she was able to fake the fact that she had such an issue. Nobody was kind of there to help her get yeah. through it at the same time, and that ended up being her undoing. Yeah. So all these murders are not senseless. They're they're within reason. They they have a purpose. Um. But that's the thing. Like maybe maybe there will be another incentive that could make maybe even Makoto want to kill somebody. That that's true. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't know. Like. I start weighing these people, right? And uh, it's it's one of those things where like Sakura may be a giant fist of the North Star badass, right? But I don't see her as as a person. These people are kind of headstrong, or not headstrong, but steadfast, right? Uh, they they don't like she she looks she she seems like a paragon of goodness, right? Yeah. If you if you look at these people, these are good hearted people. Who are pretty determined not to kill anybody. That that that's my outlook on a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Swimmer girl, I don't think she would really hurt anybody. Um, the s- same goes with um, Sakura. Same goes with the bumbling fucking idiot that is. See, see, but uh, see, we just touched upon something that I'll 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 get back to you on once we finish off the fourth case and you yeah. know exactly what I'm talking about. But that's what I mean. People can get pushed to the brink and that's kind of another interesting to see what's going to happen because we know that there is the game. The game is not over yet. Yeah. There's still more cases solved and more cases means more murders, more dead bodies. Yeah. So you don't know who, who of your favorite characters are going to die next. It might, it might, it might even be Makoto. It might be Kyoko. It might be Byakuya, you know, it, it could be anybody. And that's what makes this thing really interesting, right? Yeah. Nobody, nobody's really safe. And I love that thing. 
I, I love that aspect of mysteries. Yeah, where you know, where the where the hero is not even safe, and that's that's the best thing about it. But uh, getting back on, so we he notices it, he notices f- this fight between Sakura and Monokuma, and Sakura and Monokuma actually says something interesting to uh, to kind of uh, rebuke um, what Sakura said about no longer following his order. He mm-hmm. says, "But did you forget about the hostage?" Yeah, and Makoto basically passes out and goes back to his room. At this point, yeah. after witnessing this uh, outrageous scene, yeah. So, um, before the next case, mm-hmm. as we always do, we always have a few things that we have to take care of, um, and uh, one of them being we need to confront Sakura about this. Yep. But we don't want to do it in front of everybody, um, mm-hmm. and. Um, in that sense, uh, Kirigiri kind of corners us and wants us to tell her what's going on because we feel like if there's anybody we can trust in this game, it's her. Right. Uh, and he and I, I was going to tell her. I chose it, and it wouldn't let me. McCullough, yeah, the, yeah. The, the internal logic of the game just won't let you. And actually, the logic does make sense. Like, do you really want to... The, the, the kind of like cast a shadow on your friends even more without any definitive evidence. Yeah. So it it doesn't make sense to why. That, but I also wanted to tell her too, so I, I mirror your sentiment. Yeah. But at this point, when you decide not to tell her, she becomes very offended. Oh, because God, yeah. because you kind of Makoto had a whole speech about trusting each other and being friends, and that's how he was kind of able to get the information that there was a secret room that she discovered. And by his, by Makoto's kind of blunder, the room was discovered, and all the paperwork was just, uh, was uh, was kind of thrown away. And now, even though she told you something very important, you're not willing to say something to her. And she saw this as kind of like a betrayal. Yeah. And she turns her back on you, um, and she's like, she's like pissed off. Yeah. She, she never seen before. Never, never talk to you again, kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, just a get out of my sight, kind of pissed off. Yeah. So, uh, there's multiple days where um, we want to talk to Sakura, but we there's there's so many times where we can't, and mm-hmm. the the issue is is because it's actually brought up by Bakuya, because Bakuya has kind of figured this shit out. He says there's a lot of shit going on here. Some mm-hmm. of it can't be explained. Which right. can come to one conclusion. One of us is working with Monokuma. And when he starts that, it kind of puts this feeling of doubt in everyone's minds. And everybody's kind of like, well, who the fuck is it? If somebody is working with Monokuma, I don't want to trust anybody. You know? And so uh, during this time... Uh, Toko and uh, Swimmer Girl get into a fight, uh, and uh, Swimmer Girl gets cut. Actually, no, no, this is uh, this is that happens after a certain ha- event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does yeah happen this happens afterwards. after. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're kind of like struggling to try to confront Sakura. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, at nighttime, Monokuma calls. An assembly, right? Gathers all the students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that shit. I, I forgot. I forgot what sparked it. I couldn't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. He calls the assembly, and everybody's like, "Oh, it's going to be." We forgot to mention what the incentive, the technical incentive was of the third chapter, which was actually 
like what ten million dollars or something? Right? Ten million. Yeah, it was ten million dollars. Says anybody who 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 kills somebody and successfully gets away will win ten million dollars on top of everything. Yep. Um, which nobody really cared about that. I mean, yeah, it was it wasn't as big of an incentive, but it turned out that Celeste did actually want the money because I mean it makes sense. She's the ultimate gambler. Chasing money is what she's been doing her whole life. Yeah. So even though she faked that she wasn't really interested in the money, but she clearly was. Yeah. Along with everything else of the freedom and everything. So it ended up being the last nail in the coffin for pushing her over the edge. Yeah. So uh, during the assembly, Monokuma comes out and says, well, you guys talk about how somebody may be working with me. Um, yeah, it's true. And um, I, I mean, he, does he straight up out her? Yeah, he's just yeah. straight up author yeah. with a full name yeah. and everything. Yeah, I mean, he he straight up just says, "Yeah, it's it's Sakura. That's the one who's uh who's been with us, mm-hmm. and that's all he needed to do. He left right after that." Yeah, and and the swimmer girl's like, "No, he's lying. Obviously, trying to." And then when everyone like points at Sakura, and then she she, she doesn't deny it, and she actually accepts it and says, "I'm I sh- I'm sorry. I should have told you told you earlier." And everyone's shocked and surprised because. We just as we saw Sakura as someone who was like a paragon, uh, everyone else kind of saw her that way too. Yeah, there's this like really good person that would betray that wouldn't betray anyone, and it turned out that it kind of turned everyone's perspective upside down, and they they began to mistrust each other even more. And now we get to the scene where um, it's like the the ne- girl, yeah, it's like yeah. the next day. Um, mm-hmm. People are starting to be on edge. And people are all doubting Sakura and stuff like that and saying we shouldn't trust her. And then Swimmer Girl is like best friends with her. Yeah. Because they, they both work out together. They spend a lot of time together. They know each other very well now. And she is viciously defending Sakura. Uh, anytime somebody brings that up, she's like, shut the fuck up. You know, yeah, I mean, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she gets into a fight with Toko. Toko turns into fucking. Genocide, genocide Jill. Jill, and then tries to fucking stab her and cuts her with one of her scissors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we take um, we take uh, swimmer girl. Swimmer girl. I, I can't ever remember. <laughs> it's A- fine. It's swimmer girl. A O I A O E. Aoi. I Oi. I can't pronounce that. Aoi means love in Japan. Gotcha. Okay. So love. We take love. Swimmer girl's better. <laughs> swimmer girl. We take swimmer girl, um, who I have to say has become my best friend because I hung out with her so much that I actually got the trophy for maxing it out. Oh, nice. Because I'm just like she can't kill. She won't kill anybody. That's my thing. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, that that's just how I'm like. I'm like she's all right. First off, she is kind of dumb. Yeah, but she's very earnest and honest, and you know that's something admirable in a person, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, she she but she she's not that most the most intelligent. No. But she, at the same time, she she also she has a good heart. You know, you just you mean her breasts? You're just really into. She her. does have some yeah. some some very large breasts. Yes. Okay. Uh, and they they mentioned that multiple times in the dialogue. Toko especially. Toko is that. very fucking she's very jealous. Obsessed, yeah. Yes. She's very jealous of those breasts. Uh, something pillows. She calls them something pillows. I can't remember. Fun pillows. Right? Fun pillows or something like that. Anyway, um, so uh, she she gets injured. Sakura kind of gets really upset. She gets she, she goes super saiyan. She does go. This super- is unacceptable. Yeah. No. No mercy. Yeah. Um. And storms off. And uh, well, we're like, well. I don't know what to do because nobody can really stop that behemoth. Yeah. 
So we, you know, it's, it, it's, you know, it, we just have to leave it like it is. Hopefully she'll cool down. Well, unfortunately, uh, later on in the day, uh, we run into swimmer girl and, uh, she tells us to hurry. We need to, we need to go with her somewhere because we think something bad may have happened. And we go to the recreation room. Uh, the door is locked. We can't get in. Mm-hmm. There's a chair barring the door from the inside. Yeah, we notice that there's a chair barring the door, but also the, the recreation room has a window. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we look inside there, and we see Sakura laying – or not laying, but sitting on the couch, kind of mm-hmm. slumped over, uh, unresponsive. And we don't know what the hell's going on. So we, uh, we take a broom and we break the window, uh, and then reach in with our arm and move the chair out of the way and then enter the room. And when we do, we get another announcement saying that we have found a dead body. Sakura is dead. Sakura is dead. Unfortunately, uh, she is laying there. Uh, we, we sit, sit, sitting there, sitting sit. there. I keep saying laying there, but she's sitting there, mm-hmm. uh, kind of slouched over. Um, not really much blood laying around, at least from, from there's uh there's some blood on their head. Yeah. There's some blood on their mouth, but, uh, there's not, there's not that much like uh, evidence of struggle or anything like that in the area. Yeah. But at that point, um, Kirigiri and Makoto goes to see Sakura's body and, um, uh, the swimmer girl, uh, is in shock, obviously, and yeah. for a good reason. I mean, that was her best friend, and she's just shocked, and she just says, I, I got to go get everybody, and she leaves the room, and she comes back uh, later with uh, basically everyone else, Hiro, uh, Toko, Byakuya, and they all examine the body, and they try to figure out uh, exactly who and how this could have happened because Sakura is, is the ultimate martial artist. Yeah. She, she is like one of the strongest human beings in the world. And somehow she, she, she remains dead. Yeah. In, I know, just sitting on that chair. So the, the case begins in earnest right here. Yeah. And, uh, the first piece of evidence we do get is, uh, an interesting one. It's the Monokuma file, mm-hmm. which we get one every time. And it's basically showing the cause of death. Um, the cause of death is un really unreally not really certain, um, but we do know that there is blunt force trauma to the back of the head, uh, as well as internal bleeding and vomiting from the mouth. So uh we don't know exactly what killed her, um, but there are multiple things that could possibly have done it. So upon investigating, uh, we start with the rec room. Uh, with the rec room, we find that there are broken glass shards of a bottle uh, laying behind the couch where she's sitting. Uh, and uh, there is a, um, a chess piece mm-hmm. with Monokuma on it. Uh, and um, the, we notice that there's other bottles on the uh, table behind them. Uh, that have other chess pieces in them. Uh, and they're all very similar in look. Um, so it, it's, uh, it could be said that somebody bashed her head with a bottle, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
uh, also upon inspecting of the room, we see that there is a, uh, the locker in the back, um, is wide open, but there's also a handprint there on the inside of the door. Almost like somebody pushed that door from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is also, uh, on the magazine rack, um, which uh, we'll get into a little bit later, but, um, the magazine rack, uh, there is a magazine that's out of place. It's upside down. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we uh, look at it, we we investigate it and look at it. We see that Toko is written in blood on one of the pages. Ooh! And underneath the magazine stand, there is actually a large blood stain there. Yes, um, and that's the magazine stand is probably about mm, maybe ten feet away from where the body is. Couple of steps. Yep. Yeah. So uh, we don't know exactly what happened there. Uh, but then we start investigating other places. So we find a uh, a bottle. Actually, there was a, there was a protein drink bottle uh, on, on the floor yeah. in the rec room. Yeah, that's what I was, I was going to say, but um, oh okay, sorry. Yeah, we found, we found a protein bottle, um, and, but it was it was weird because uh, it was kind of just said in passing, but uh, the protein bottle. It's uh, so we had to bash the window um, to um, to get inside, and when we did, um, we obviously knocked glass all over the floor. The weird thing about the protein bottle is that there's glass up under the protein bottle, uh, and we're like, "Well, that's kind of weird." Um, if if the bottle was still laying there, wouldn't wouldn't there wouldn't be glass up under it. Right. Um, so we write that down as well. Uh, but we, um, th- there was a few new areas that were opened up in the, um, after this case. Uh, one of them being a kind of like a chemistry lab. And when we go check out the chemistry lab with, uh, Bioka, um, we noticed that there's kind of a mess going on. Um, it looks like, a bottle has fallen over and spilled, and there's actually footprints that uh, that go up to a certain cabinet. There's three cabinets, um, there, but there's uh, footprints that go up to a certain cabinet uh, and then leave. Um, and it's going through this kind of like powdery stuff, this yellow powder stuff, um, which I should mention we find yellow powder on um, Sakura's uh, – Shoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so um, the uh, the three cabinets um, are kind of significant. The, the the first cabinet, the one where the footprints go to, uh, leads to uh, energy supplements like protein shakes, stuff like that, um, uh, vitamins and stuff like that. But it's interesting. We f- actually find a um, a bottle from another cabinet in it, and it's a bottle of a, a very poisonous material. Um, and, uh, well, so that's weird, uh, but where the, 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 where, where all the poisonous material actually is in the chemistry lab is in the third, uh, cabinet. But the funny thing is there's no footprints going to the third cabinet. So only, only, and around the the first cabinet where the supplement was. Exactly. So that's a little strange. Um, I think uh, that's it. 
actually, when you go there, you're there with uh, Byakuya, and he says, Makoto, take off your shoes and show me. I want to match them to the uh, the footprints over here. And Makoto's like, uh, okay. And he shows him the, the shoes, and he says, no, your shoes are too big to be these footprints, and yeah. gives them back. Yeah. I was like, okay. It was weird because he he, he didn't he didn't say he, he was like hey, are these your footprints and Mako was like no fucking hell he's like take off your shoes I'm like all right <laughs> well that's that's how Biakia works right he just yeah. gives orders and expects you to follow them so yeah and uh and Makoto is kind of a pushover when it comes to these kinds of situations so he's just like oh okay <laughs> and uh, that's that's pretty much all the information we get um we do get a little bit of thing uh, a little thing um from Kirigiri. Mm-hmm. Uh, she tells us that what we're looking at here is a locked door or a locked room. Locked room murder. Murder, uh, which we've seen in, in multiple like detective novels and movies and stuff like that. I, I, I love locked room murders, by the way. Yeah. Because the ways that those, uh, those scenarios can play out is maybe about – there's about four or five possibilities. Right. And there's so many ways you can kind of twist – on the ones that are already available, right? And the good, the good writers will always find a way to do it in a way where you can't predict, like you just can't, you just can't see it happening otherwise. And the thing about locked room murders is that ninety percent of the time, when you see it within fiction or some kind of a murder mystery, you assume entirely that it is in fact not a locked room murder, and there's a trick to it. Yeah. Right. And that kind of plays into this particular case as well. Yeah. So like I said um, earlier in the podcast, uh, and I'll say it here, I saw that there was probably three options. Mm-hmm. And one of those options turned out to be the, the right one. Mm-hmm. Um, so <sighs> we go to the case. The, the trial, right? The trial, yeah. The trial, excuse me. Um, and uh, the first thing, the first order of business is, hey, guess what, everybody? <laughs> um, oh, I did forget one other thing. Uh, we found a candy wrapper. Um, oh, right. Yeah, we found the candy wrapper. It was laying next to um, Sakura. Um, and um, uh, we also find that same candy wrapper when we go to talk to Hero. Mm-hmm. He has uh, he has that in his pocket whenever we're asking for a note. Mm-hmm. If you got a note, um, so that's that's another piece of evidence. So basically, um, it seems that Sakura may have sent people notes to come meet her, yeah, and to talk to her. And we were wondering uh, if he got a note as well, yeah. And uh, people have confirmed uh, Toko, Byakuya, and the Hero all said that they got notes. But they did not go to see her at all because obviously they're scared to be alone with her because she could snap their neck like it's a twig. Yeah. So they they were too afraid to go see her. So the, all of them denied seeing her at the time. Right. So um, I was originally, I don't know, I, I was I, I was originally aiming at at uh, Biakia. 
Okay. To be honest with you, I was thinking Byaku is doing this and he's going to try and throw a monkey wrench in there that will throw everything away. So this this is this is like right after you went to the whole thing uh, about I don't think Byaku would kill anybody. Well, see, that's the thing, and and it kind of conf- it kind of reassured me okay. on this okay. during this trial. Even though you you suspected him this this particular time around, right? I did because I had it okay. in my mind. I was like, ah, he he's helping me out too much to be the murderer, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, okay, he's probably the murderer on this one. Right. And then we find out he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> this and, this actually ends up being the first case where Byakuya is actually kind of lost. Yeah, he's he's. And there's Absolutely a very, wrong. very good reason for that, yeah. uh, which we'll get into in a little bit. But uh, yeah, let's start off this case. So basically, the first thing we say is, Hiro, you had the candy wrapper. Yeah. Uh, that was given to Sakura, and only the swimmer girl had, had the whole entire box of it. Why did you have that thing? Yeah. Um, this this, this, this uh, um, trial actually starts off with a, uh, a hangman's gambit. Yeah, or is it? No, that's not a hangman's game. It's um uh, the truth, uh, the the moment, the climax, right? The yeah. Whatever, uh, where where they try to like uh, refute you? Yeah. Um, and, and you kind of have to shut them up, but they're being hysterical. Yeah, the uh, the um, God, what's it called? The, the it's, it's it's like a rhythm game. Rhythm, game. yeah, rhythm action game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it starts off with that, trying to get him to shut the fuck up, so we he will actually admit to us, right? Whoa, how? Where did he get the candy wrapper? So he, 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 he finally comes clean. He's like, "Yes, I did." He's like, I, "Fine, I, I went to go meet her." Yeah, yeah. I said, "We all got the note." I decided I was going to go meet her. So um, he, um, when he, when he arrived, um, Sakura said that she wanted to wait for everybody else to show up. Yeah. So she's like, "While we're waiting, you want a piece of candy?" He's like, "Yeah, sure." So he eats a piece of candy, puts the candy wrapper in his pocket. That's how he gets it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but then he says, while he was there, shit went down. Uh, what he, shit? He, he, he fully admits, he says, yeah, I killed her. Yeah, we just straight up admits it. Yeah. So like, I heard her say that she was going to finish everything today. Yeah, I I heard her say that that and and this was a very tense moment for him in particular because he didn't know what was going to happen. He's alone with this with this freaking woman that could kill him in a moment's notice if she if she wanted to. So he was scared and he was standing behind her the whole time. And when he heard her say that I was going to finish everything today, he thought that that was the moment that she was waiting for to finish him off. Yeah. So. So he grabs a bottle that's laying on the table behind him. Mm-hmm. And knocks her in the back of the head with it. Um, couple ml. Yeah. Uh, and then she kind of slumps over, and he says that he then leaves the room. Yeah, and uh, I guess I guess Hero is a killer. Then he just admitted it. He uh, hit her over the head, and that's it. Maybe we should just vote for Hero right now. Yeah, just get on with it. But then uh, Bakia is like, wait a minute. That doesn't make any fucking sense because first off, how did the do- door get barred? Secondly, we, we all know it's fucking Toko because who the hell wrote the, the name in the in the magazine? Right. And then um, 
then he he admits that he wrote Toko into the magazine because he didn't want to get you know he's like well everybody would blame her because she's a fucking madman right you know but but then he was confused he said that he wrote the he wrote the name Toko and left it out in the open yeah he didn't put it in the magazine stand so someone must have moved it yeah and so we're like okay well who the hell moved it who who would actually want to move it though. Who, except for the person whose name is on the thing, would want to move it. Exactly. So then we set our sights on Toko. <laughs> Toko, yeah, what and, the and, fuck? And, <laughs> yeah. And funny enough, we, we push Hero and all of a sudden he's like, oh, wait. Uh, before I went in, I saw, I saw Toko go inside the room first yeah. before all of us. And then once I went in the room, she wasn't there to be – she wasn't anywhere to be found. Yep. And then he just remembered this because he's an idiot, obviously. Yeah, he's a moron. Yeah. So um, we, then we turned to Toko and we're like, okay, what the hell? Um, she, she's she's denying all this pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to present evidence. Uh, one of those evidence being, well, I have an idea. Uh, since you completely vanished in the thin fucking air, uh, how about you hid in the locker that was wide open whenever we came in? And like, well, you have, what's your evidence? Okay, well, there's your handprint. So you hid in the locker, mm-hmm. and you saw all this shit go down. You also saw Hero write Toko into a magazine with, and, with the with the with the victim's blood. Well, Awkward. Yeah. yeah. Awkward. Yes. And then, <laughs> and then you decide to uh, say, "Well, I'm not going down for this." So yep. I take the magazine and I put it. Uh, down on the rack, but she did it upside down because she was kind of in a in a panic. Yeah. Um. And but unfortunately, um, she snaps out of. I think was she Toko when she went into there? Yeah, she was. She was Toko. And what happened is that she went to put the the magazine back, and when she did, she turned around, and then all of a sudden she saw Sakura turning, looking at her. With, with, like, bloody head and everything, and, you know, obviously the sight of blood makes Toko pass out. Right. So she passed out right in front of the of the magazine, uh, uh, of the magazine, whatever, what is that called? Magazine. Rack. Yeah, magazine rack. And um, at that point, Genocide Jill took over. Yeah. And obviously Genocide Jill and Toko doesn't share memories, and she just found herself in the arms of Sakura who was bleeding. So she assumed the worst most likely. So she just grabbed the nearest bottle, which just happened to be one of the same bottles that Hiro picked up, and smashed Sakura over the head. Yeah. And they're like, well, there you go. Then then uh, Toko is the killer. Yes. It, was a, it was a second second hit to the head that, that finally did it, and that's how Sakura was dead. Yeah. Now let's just vote Toko, and uh, we're done with this case. And then, well, we forget Toko's like, yeah, then I left the room. And we're like, okay, well, you hit her in the head at in front of the magazine rack, which is a good 10 feet from where we found her body. Also, how did you bar the door? Okay. Oh, this 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 case is not over. No. We had two people admit to their crimes of killing Sakura, but they're not the ones who did it, apparently. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, okay, so who really did this? And this is when I've got my eye on Bakuya over there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I know what you did, you son of a bitch. Come to find out, she didn't die from blunt force trauma to the head. She died from internal bleeding. 
from ingesting poison. Poison. Uh-huh. So, what do we know about the poison? Well, we do know that she really liked to drink energy drinks, energy supplements, as well as protein shakes. Yes. Just so happens we found a protein shake in the room where she was dead. Um, so uh, that's one piece of evidence that we show. And uh, where did we get the poison to put into her protein shake? Well, just so happens when we checked the chem lab, there was a poison bottle with the protein supplements. So there was obviously somebody who went into the into the chem lab and picked up poison, put it into her drink, and then had her drink it. No, just 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 hand her the drink, and she would just drink it like there on the spot. Like who? That that sounds a little dangerous, you know. If you know there's poison around, who would you trust enough to drink like that? You know. Well, there's only one person Sakura trusts more than anybody else, and yeah, that's. Yeah. That, no, uh, that's, nope. that's that's no, swimmer. Not. That's swimmer. Oh, Billy. oh no! Yeah, and that's when I said, "Oh no!" But don't. they're best friends forever. Yeah, I was like, "Don't do this to me!" Come on, I just, I just got like, I just became real good friends with her, and, and we've seen your track record whenever you try to talk to these people. So. I know it. Yeah. It's like, oh no, maybe she was a bad person all along. Maybe she was making this friendship. And being nice to her in order to stab her in the back, make her trust you, and then when she's most vulnerable, strike her down. Yeah. At this point, then Bakia kind of takes over the invest or the 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 whole mm-hmm. the whole uh, student fucking courtroom Tri- thing. What well, trial? Class, Thank you. Class trial. There you go. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, he, he takes it over. He's like, so we all know who did this. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to admit it, but you know. Swimmer girl, you're the one that did it. And this is where it starts getting really emotional. Uh, she's starting to cry, and she's starting to kind of stack evidence on top of her. She's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I, she, she kind of comes the, the, the footprints that were in the chemistry lab, Yeah, uh, the, it was footprints made by sneakers. And the only people that wear sneakers in the school currently are Makoto and the swimmer girl. Yep. And swimmer girl... Uh, you know, obviously, Byakuya has already checked Makoto's shoes yeah. ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And knowing that it's not him, the obvious answer leads to her. So she was the one that moved around, picked up the poison, swapped the contents, and gave to Sakura to drink at the very end after all those assaults. And uh, and that's how she did it. Yeah. That's it's coming to that point. Everybody's like, holy shit. Man, that's, 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 really that's really disappointing and sad, but I guess I guess maybe we should just 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 vote now, and then I guess we're we're done with this case, Dan. Yeah. And then uh, Kirigiri kind of finally wises up and steps in, and says, "Wait a minute, <laughs> wait, just, wait, wait a minute." Yeah, one more thing, Columbo. <laughs> just one more thing. Um, that kind of doesn't make sense. Okay, why does it make sense? Well, there's footprints showing. Going only to the energy supplement, you know, mm-hmm. shelf. Uh, 
there's no poison in there. So how did they get poison to put into the energy supplement if there is no, you know, tracks going to that cabinet? Mm-hmm. Because obviously there's this yellow powder laying everywhere. You know, whoever did get the poison had to have walked through that stuff, right? Right. So um, at that point, we're like, okay, I don't know. Um, and then we remember a very important fact. Oh, yeah. Sakura's shoes had yellow powder on it. Just just like the powder from the chem lab that was spilled all over the place. Yeah. And that was that's kind of weird. Um, how did she get that on her shoes? Obviously, she had to have been there. So when when the when the bottle bottle cracked open and spilled, that's when she must have been there. So that leads to leads us to believe that she was the one that dropped and cracked the bottle, and it was actually not uh, the swimmer girl at all. Yeah, which means swimmer girl came in at a later time after it had been spilled and then made the tracks. And we're like, okay, so that's weird. Um, then we bring up the other fact that the um, the energy supplement bottle mm-hmm. uh, has glass up under it, which makes absolutely no sense because nobody touched it whenever they walked in. Well, um, Kirigiri goes into great detail and asks each specific person, did you trip over or did you hit this? Uh, hit this uh, cup in any shape or form when you entered the room, and everyone said no. They didn't even see it as they were getting in the room. Yeah. And then we go back to the fact that Swimmer Girl was acting really weird. Uh, she just saw her best friend pretty much laying there dead, and she acted oh so very distant. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost like she didn't really want to be there. At or maybe she, she had something to do. She had something to do. Yeah. Um, so then we're like, okay, so where did you go if you didn't go to get everybody else? Well, maybe that's when she went up to the chem lab. Well, why would she go to the chem lab? Well, we did find that poison bottle. In the, the on the on the floor of the the rec room, but it was filled with protein powder, and not the actual uh, not the poison itself. Yeah, which is tested because Bakia drinks it. Yeah, he's so confident in his deduction that he takes takes a takes a squig of the of the protein drink, uh, protein protein powder, I suppose, more than the drink, and then he he just says that like yeah, this tastes awful, but this is obviously not the poison. Yeah, and this was the content that he was basically saying that he swapped with the protein drink in order to make uh the the swimmer girl used to drink uh I mean get the sakura to drink the poison. Yeah. But basically, Byakuya, who has been nearly flawless till this point in all the cases, uh, his logic is falling apart. Yeah, he, he is one. he is so frustrated right now. He's like, this is bullshit. She's the one who did this. Everybody fucking knows it. Yeah, it's like this. there's no other possibility. There's no nothing else that makes sense is what he says. And he's visually like disturbed, disturbed and frustrated at the same time, which is basically the first time you've ever seen this guy this way. Yeah. So um, we then piece together that um, she must have taken 
something from the crime scene, returned it to the chem station, and then brought something back. And that something she brought back was the energy supplement bottle, which she then dropped onto the floor uh, where the glass is. And that's how the glass showed up up under the bottle. But why in the hell would she do this? And they're, they're like, well, nobody. Re so before we even bring up that fact, we say, well, we don't even know if she really did this. But what we didn't realize was, was that Kirigiri already had something up her sleeve. She watched Bakuya drink that poison bottle, which only had energy supplement in it. Mm-hmm. And she and then she took the bottle from him to examine it, and then she brings up the facts. Says, "Yes, this is actually how it happened. Because look at this, I found glass inside the bottle of the poison bottle, which means the only way glass could have got in it was if the poison bottle was already in the room when the glass was broken." Oof! Boom. So we know that happened for a fact. What we don't realize is is why. And now we find out why. Well, at this point, everyone realizes that Sakura must have poisoned herself. Yes. And uh, our uh, the swimmer girl was trying to cover it up and making it seem like anyone other than Sakura has done it. Yeah. In which case, um, that means everyone would have died. Yes. Including herself. Mm -hmm. She was actively trying to put the blame on herself just to get everyone killed. Yep. And um, she breaks down and starts crying and saying that it is all of our faults that she killed herself. We drove her to the brink of that by mistrusting her and putting doubt into everyone's mind and making everybody think she's the bad guy. And we all deserve to die because of it. Yeah, they're they're all the villains. Uh, even though herself, uh, she was her friend. She didn't see how much suffering that she was going through, and she wasn't there for her. And she blamed herself most out of everyone else. Yeah. And, uh, and then she basically thought that this was the only way to atone for, for her crime of not being able to save Sakura. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty much decided right then and there. Mm -hmm. um, the person who killed Sakura was Sakura herself. Everybody votes, and that's the truth. So what ended up happening was, was that she invited everybody into the rec room to have a sit-down discussion. The people who doubted her the most, she invited to the rec room to sit down and say, I'm going to end this, and it's going to be for the good, mm -hmm. and you guys don't need to stop me. That was her plan. But everybody didn't trust her. They were afraid of her. So... um the first person to show up before the meeting actually happened, before anybody showed up, was uh, Toko. Toko then decided, well, if shit goes south, I know where to go. And so she hid into the um, locker because she didn't notice that Sakura and uh, Hiro were entering the room. So she was afraid. So she hid into the locker. At that point, Hiro got paranoid and knocked the hell out of her with a bottle, mm -hmm. and, then, and then decided he 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 murdered her. So I gotta try to get away with this. So he wrote Toko's name into a magazine because because it worked for the first case, and 
Hero is that stupid. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, then Toko sees this and says, bull fucking shit. <laughs> Grabs the magazine and puts it back the way where it was. Then turns around, sees Sakura bleeding all the hell and grabbing her. She freaks out, passes out, turns into Genocide Jill. Genocide Jill doing the natural instincts that she knows. Grabs a bottle, smashes it across her head. She falls over. Blood gets down. Blood then shows up on the floor in front of the magazine rack. Then she leaves the room, runs away. Sakura then wakes up in a dizzy stupor and gets up uh, and bars bars the door. No, 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 no. No, does she? At, at, no, she, that, no. He doesn't. She doesn't bar the door yet. She, she as she's getting up. The person who discovers her, uh, just by kind of walking walking around, was the swimmer girl. Right. Yeah. She yeah. notices Sakura. She's bleeding, and Sakura says to her, "Oh, I, I could I could really use a use a protein drink right now. Can you go get Can you go get something for me?" And at this point, uh, swimmer girl obviously just runs to the to the chemical lab to go get the protein drink, and without even noticing the fact that there was a a broken bottle on the ground, she steps up. And she gets the protein bottle, and uh, she tries to go back. And when she gets back, she notices that the door is locked. Yeah, uh, door is barred from the inside. Uh, she notices that there's a that Sakura is not responding to her calling, and there's a there's a note on the ground in front of the door. Yeah. And do you remember what the note said? I know what the gist of the note says. Do you just remember? Just is good enough. Just is good enough. It just is basically saying, um, I, I'm doing this because it's going to save everybody. No, no, no. It's going to say it's going to save no, no. her. Right. No, no, no. This you're, you got the wrong note. Oh, right. I forgot. Monokuma switched notes. <laughs> yeah. Well, there goes the revelation, Drew. Sorry. But Boy, anyway, the note ahead. that she finds and she reads secretly before everyone gets there is that. I am so tired of living in fear. Uh, everyone is trying to get me. Uh, no one trusts me or anyone else. If I'm going to be killed by someone else's hand, I'd rather do it of my own accord. Yeah. And that's the note that uh, the swimmer girl finds. And she she's desperate. She, she sees the poison bottle on the ground. Uh, she sees the note. She sees that Sakura slumped over on the chair. She knows what she did. And she blames herself at this point and everyone else. She, she hates with such vigor that there, you know, everyone drove her to this, and this is this explains or this kind of is re- her reasoning for trying to take everyone down with her, yeah, to yeah. get everyone killed so that they can maybe atone for what she did to her best friend. <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that's like a that's like a big thing. Yeah, uh, but it turned out after after all this, Monokuma straight up says like, "Oh yeah, that's that's actually not real. That's uh, that's that's fake." Yeah, I mean, that's that. not that's 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 actually I just I just wrote that myself. Couldn't you tell from the handwriting? Why? What are you stupid or something? <laughs> and the swimmer girl is obviously not the the brightest brightest uh, light bulb in, in the in the warehouse. So uh, she believed this straight up. And she, Monokuma says like, "This is actually her her actual actual suicide note that that was actually in the, the swimmer girl's room." Yeah. And he starts reading it, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll leave this one to you. Okay. All right. So um, she goes into kind of detail of what really went on, why she was actually an agent for Monokuma. Uh, Monokuma had um, basically threatened to uh, 
to destroy her, um, I guess it's not, I, I, would it, would it just be her dojo? I guess. Uh, it's, think about it as like her family home, her, clan. her legacy, her yeah. dojo. It's, it's a lot more important than just the place. Yeah. It's like so, hundreds of years. Yeah. yeah. So like this legacy that she is a part of this, this family and this dojo and, and, and all this stuff, like uh, pretty much what, what she, she lives for, mm-hmm. uh, he's holding it basically for ransom. He's going to have it completely destroyed. He's going to wreck the, the entire family. Um, and they, she, she believes without a shadow of a doubt he will do this. And obviously we've gotten the incentive from the first chapter, right? Yeah. Uh, and that must have been the incentive that, uh, that Monokuma showed her in order to kind of uh, take that as a hostage and manipulate her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, she then agreed – to work with Monokuma. She never did actually do anything for him, at least as, as far as I Well, know. he, she did actually feed him information yeah, for, that's true. for a lot of the stuff that they were doing. But obviously she never took a life or anything like that. Right. So, um, but she, she didn't realize that she didn't want to betray her friends like that. Her friends mm-hmm. being the people in the school. Uh, and so she decided that she was going to resist Monokuma and, uh, not go with it. And she knew what that was going to do uh, to her family and to her friends. So she decided um, the only way to protect everyone would be to kill herself. If Monokuma wants somebody to be killed, I'll do it, and I'll do it. It'll be myself. And that would also get rid of all the doubt and uh, the paranoia that was going around for her being the... uh the the kind of stooge of the the headmaster. Yeah. So it's basically two birds in one stone. She gets to keep her friends safe and dispel this uh, paranoia and hatred amongst themselves, and also fulfill her bargain with Monokuma. Uh, and this was the only way that she thought she thought to be, uh, she thought to do this. Yes. So that was the bigger revelation. There was also another. There was a another part to the. Uh, to the suicide note, but Monokuma will not indulge in that because yeah, she, he won't read it because he feels like it's actually, um, it, it pertains to what's actually going on around here. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the things that we, we didn't mention was that when we get that shadowy figure meeting with Monokuma in the, the big office headmaster room, mm-hmm. um, She's probably previewed to some information about Monokuma. Right. Uh, so she probably knows more than what we all know. So he's still trying to keep that a secret. Um, and that's, that's pretty much how it, how it ends there. Um, but in Monokuma fashion, we can't, we can't leave a class trial without an execution. Yeah, you got you got to have an execution. But how do you how do you execute someone who's already dead, though? Exactly. But we got somebody who, you know, they're not technically a student, mm-hmm. so we can go ahead and just kill this person. It's yeah, a good, they're kind of an uninvited uh, intruder, right? Yeah, um, and then it cuts to <laughs> the laptop <laughs> of uh, the. The laptop that Chihiro made with the AI called Alter Ego yeah, Alter is still on it. Yeah. And uh, it, it appears that Monokuma has discovered Alter Ego's meddling when Alter Ego was uh, connected to the, the school's network. Yeah. 
in order to try to get more information. The alter ego, despite it being an AI, was genuinely trying to help everyone. Even in death, uh, Chihiro was trying to help and be useful to everyone, which is very touching. But it happens that uh, Monokuma being the, the thing or the figure that he is found out and decides that he will execute alter ego at this point. Yeah. Um, takes a like a bulldozer? I'm not know. quite a bulldozer, but it's one of those giant crane things with the arms. Yeah. I forget uh, what those are called. It's... It's one of those digger things, but they're they're like super big and they dig holes. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Construction or something. Who knows? Who cares? Yeah. And uh, bashes the living shit out of it mm-hmm. into a million pieces, like like almost like a like a machine gun. Just yeah. <laughs> Pretty intense, bro. Yeah. And so there goes Alter Ego. And that sucks because that was actually the thing that uh, a lot of the students. Uh, or basically everyone was hinging their hopes on. That was our maybe, last chance to Yeah, maybe out. through the network, uh, the alter ego would be able to figure out either a way to escape or maybe find out the true identity of the headmaster exactly. in order to get uh, give them the upper hand. But now that is also out of the equation. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the end of that chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to mention one other thing that I forgot. Um, yep. Uh, the other thing is is that when the new areas opened up in this chapter, we had another familiar thing happen. We found another picture. Another photo. Oh, my. Another photo uh, laying on the ground, uh, and it is a photo of Celeste. Um, oh, God. Uh, fanfic guy. Yeah, fanfic guy, and who, who was the other one? Sayaka, the, the pop sensation. Yes, yes, our friend, uh, Sayaka, um, in a classroom setting, having a fun time, smiling and se- seemingly knowing each other. Right, they seem to be very good friends, right? Yeah, and uh, the classroom is once again fully open. You can see out the windows. So at this point, I will ask you two questions. Uh-huh. And uh, once again, I ask that you keep your answer to single. Because if, if you throw basically in a pizza against the wall, it'll stick, right? But I, I want you to be pinpoint in this. So A, what are these pictures indicating? What, what, what do you see from these pictures? I'm seeing from these pictures that these people went to school together and know each other. Where? This is where I'm getting into my theory. Okay. My theory is is that everybody in this game, everybody that that is particip- these 15 people that are participating in this game are actually already dead. Oh my. And this is okay. some this is some type of purgatory. A a place of suffering and despair. Mm. Well, it does it does fit, right? Mhm. Because if you think about it, it's, it's, it seems like a lot of impossible scenarios are happening. Yeah, these these machines, these these restocking uh, restocking things of uh, like nightly things, and it makes sense because they're kind of placed in a position where they need to suffer. Yeah. So okay, that's an interesting theory. And secondly, my second question to you would be: Kyoko at the end of the third case says. What did you do to our bodies? Yes. 
that's no she said what did you do to my body oh right 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 um and that was another thing that that made me think that so do you, th- do you think this is just a part of the the uh the purgatory thing i think this is some type of either an out of body experience mm-hmm. or they are in some sort of maybe not hell right. uh, or, or uh, maybe like i said like a purgatory where whoever survives gets either a a new chance at life or B goes to heaven. Well, it does make sense because if you think about it, the people that end up resorting to killing each other are ends up being the bad people, right? They're the ones executed, and ultimately, I guess, they're, in your theory, they will be the one going to hell. Yeah. While the people that survive in this game would be the ones to not indulge in murder and ultimately maybe pass on from purgatory and go into heaven. And I I kind of solidify that fact. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I I'm I'm being dead honest with you. I don't know how this game ends. I have not looked at any type of spoilers. This is just my right. theories. But it, it goes into there's there's two things I want to uh, point out because uh, you brought up a good point on that one. She's asking about what did you do to my body, mm-hmm. and two she's also uh, or, or we're getting small snippets of. What happened a year ago at this school? Some kind of bad thing happened at this school. I ha- my theory is everybody who is here in this game was a student at this school and died, and now they're stuck here, mm. and it's some kind of purgatory. Uh, but the other thing that you brought up was was um, actually reminded me. Did you ever watch the the kind? Of, it was it, I think it was started off as a short short story, but then it made like into a short film. It was called The Button. I uh, never watched The Button. No. Okay. Um, basically, I mean, spoilers for The Button. I mean, it's like a, it's like a, a ten minute movie. Okay. But uh, but um, The Button was basically a person some find somehow ends up in a room. They don't know how they got there. There is a single button there, and there is a person sitting next to them or sitting across from them at a table. And that person says, um, if you press this button, some person in the world will die. But you will get like $10 million. Mm. And it's it's like a back and forth between, well, I don't, I don't want to kill anybody. He says, you may not know this person. Or what if it's a baby? Or what if it's this, you know, stuff like that. And the person is kind of like playing devil's advocate on this whole thing. Okay. And the person decides, I'm going to hit the button. They hit the button, and they said, well, who died? And I says, well, we hate to tell you this, but you're the guy who died the last time somebody pushed the button. Mm-hmm. And now the next person that's coming is going to be the person who probably pushes the button. So the person who was in that room was mm-hmm. already dead, and they – were tempted by you know riches beyond their wildest dreams to push a button to kill somebody. All right. But what they didn't realize was they were already dead. So whatever their reward was wasn't real to begin with. Uh, so I I guess this this kind of goes with your maybe I guess the person that pushed the button ends up going to hell or something. Yeah, kind of okay. kind of deal. That's that's what I'm thinking. Is that they all have this hope. That right. they're, they're going to get out of this by killing each other, and in the reality, they're already dead, and they're just suffering even more. Okay, so what is what is this Monokuma? What is the headmaster? Is he is he the devil? Is he is he God? <sighs> Maybe I don't know. 
that's that's my thing is like to me it seems like Monokuma is kind of like the go between uh, like, to me I, like I don't know how like I don't know how my theory ends <laughs> mm-hmm. is is that you know what is the end game here is the person that wins the person that goes to heaven or gets a new chance at life um or is 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 he lying to everybody and they're all in hell and this is just some kind of sick hellish game is well, he, I mean, it kind of really, makes sense, right? Like, yeah. Is he really I, my, my vision of hell would be something like I, I have to – I'm forced to like kill my friends over and over again. That sounds like an absolute like nightmare yeah. to me. So, yeah. I mean, obviously I, I nobody's see. having fun while they're here. No, not not quite. So I don't know. It's 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 weird. I I that's my theory. Uh, Very interesting theory. I like it, Drew. I still think there is some type of supernatural thing going on here because mm-hmm. even from the very beginning, at the very beginning of the game, when 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 Makoto steps in steps into the gateway of the school, and the, it you know the it may just be the animation of the game, but this weird you know distortion of the screen yeah yeah you uh you you you're bringing up that up the second time so you really noticed that particular detail yeah which is interesting to me because cool. you because because you have not seen that since yeah that's true it's it's weird so i don't know i don't know how this is going to end and that's my thing and and i i'm looking at it from from a from somebody looking from the outside looking in mm-hmm. i know i know that there's three games after or there's two games after this and possibly a third game and my thing is, is that the next games are just going to be the next people who died, and the and Monokuma mm-hmm. really is Satan, and he's kind of kind of like it's kind of like Silent Hill, yeah. Where the where the Taiwan is basically the main main character slash theme, and it just perpetuates itself with different people, right? Yeah, it's like this okay. season has all these people who are already dead and don't know it, and next season has all these people who are already dead and they don't know it. Interesting. So I don't know, but that, then again, you think, well, that ruins the next season because there is no real overarching story. Um, so I don't know. It's it, like I am excited as shit to see how this game ends because I, I want my theory to either to either be proven fact or fiction. <sighs> Very cool, Drew. I like it. I like you know, like I obviously won't tell you whether your theory is correct or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say that your logic and your basis on this is is very 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 interesting. Yeah, uh, it builds upon what you've seen previously, and a lot of the little evidence and hints that the game has thrown your way. Yeah, uh, which some some of it could be a red herring, or some of them, you know how it is. Like the really the best fiction always puts their puts their puts puts the end game obviously and right in front of you, right? Right. And I I think this this game is one of those uh, things, uh, one of those works where they really do a good job of laying down the breadcrumbs for you to follow if you're really paying attention. Right. So I, I'm glad to see that you're really examining the facts. But before we uh, finish off chapter four, I will say that there is one last thing, and that is that Sakura at the end of her suicide note wrote that I will I will not give in. I will continue to fight. Right. And that was her last words. Yeah. But given that this is a person who just committed suicide in order to protect her friends and her, you know, the, her, her family. Yeah. That seems like a weird thing to say, right? So we'll we'll revisit what she might have meant by that. Maybe she did something, maybe there is more to what she did than we realize. But also I got to say like this chapter super sad. Yeah. Like 
Sakura, such a, such a, such a good character. Like she she just wants the best for everybody. She wants everyone to get along, and she was kind of pushed to become becoming the spy, and she felt this guilt, and she finds that her ultimate atonement comes in from you know basic ending her own life so that no one else has to uh, suspect each other and also to help her family. And then this whole manipulation of the swimmer girl uh, by Monokuma in order to make uh, make her try to kill everybody. Yeah. In in their stead. Even though this is exactly what Sakura didn't want to happen. Yeah. So it's like her this revelation of everything happening. And this case is actually what brings everybody together. Uh like you said, like everyone noticed that the thing that sparked this whole thing was the fact that Monokuma forged this um this fake suicide letter. It's yeah. true that he never signed it, right? So it didn't need to be hers, you know, he just left it there. And it was kind of the swimmer's fault for believing it. But, I mean, I think anyone reasonable would have believed the same, right? You see yeah. a note in front and someone's committed suicide, you'll think that they wrote it, obviously. Yeah. So because of that thing, all their hatred and anger feels like it's being pointed towards Monokuma and the headmaster at this point. Yeah. And this, this cruel trick that he pulled to try to get everyone to turn on each other and have the the swimmer girl who is in fact you know just this misled and is still a very nice nice girl uh tr- to kill everybody ha- has kind of backfired now everyone wants to work together even Byakuya who was is befuddled and confused by this because he cannot put himself in a position like Sakura did of the of the strength that she uh, she showed as a, as an individual to be able to sacrifice herself for the greater good for her friends, that's not a position that Byakuya was able to anticipate. That's not a position that he could see himself in. That's why he never saw this coming. Yeah. That's why he found himself so lost. And in that frustration, he learned that there is more to be gained by working with others yeah. than to kind of uh, go against them. Yeah, he his revelation that he is. He is not infallible. Yeah, is is pretty good. Um, yeah, he's done really even well. even though he'll never admit it, that's the thing. <laughs> of course, he won't admit it, but you know it, and he knows it. Yeah, and that's the important thing. So um, there is one other piece of business that I have to get through, um, and we have an email. Yay. Actually, regarding uh, Dongan Rampa, uh, this email comes in from Charlie, and it says, uh, "Hi guys, when I found out you were doing a series on Dongan Rampa, I knew you had made a good choice." I think the games are fantastic, and I love to see games I enjoy getting some extra attention. The sheer number of times I was completely blindsided by the revelations and plot twists and cases are why I loved it. I loved that even when I sometimes thought I knew who was responsible when the case started, I was always proven wrong except for Sakya, of course. If it if course. Sakya is if course. Of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Sayaka. All right. Uh, I'm uh, really glad you're enjoying it so far, Drew, and thanks to Jay for suggesting it for the show. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the game as a whole, and even if you don't play Danganronpa 2 for Phoenix Down, I still recommend it. Have a great show, guys. Thank you very much for that email, and, and at this point, sometime next year, we're probably going to do Danganronpa 2. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Uh, no, I'll, I'll be back, I guess. You, uh, you, you will be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Danganronpa 2. Man, I, I'm not going to spoil anything about the game, obviously, but I will say that Danganronpa 2 probably has the best case in the series. Oh, wow, okay. Like, you see, like you haven't even seen Chapter 5 and 6, which are insane. Yeah. But Danganronpa 2 blew my mind so much to the point where I played it, and as I was playing it, that moment hit me, and I had to put the Vita down. 
and I had to just sit there thinking about it. I just sat there and and and, and just in thought, <laughs> just mulling over what I just witnessed for like fifteen minutes. Yeah, I couldn't just keep playing. It was just it was too mind blowing to me. And then I I picked it back up and I kept going. And then, oh man, that game is crazy. That's true. You know, it's 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 funny. I, I love the Phoenix Wright games, mm-hmm. but I think my favorite, some of my favorite trials were actually in the third game. Right. Because of just how fucking complex they get. It's it's nuts. I mean, like, man, I love that series too. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, it's it, I'm enjoying the crap out of this game. I like like I told you, I sat down Saturday morning <laughs> and did nothing but play Danganronpa until that chapter was over with. And the same way with Sunday morning. Like my my entire morning was spent doing laundry and playing Danganronpa. And drinking coffee. That's <laughs> that, that's a good that's a good day, Drew. That is, I love that day. That is, that's a good day. Yeah. So I I that's kind of what I plan to do this Saturday and this Sunday. Oh man, we're gonna have a lot of fun things to talk about because the next show we're gonna cover the rest of the cases. This is gonna be over. We're yes. done with Duncan Rumpel next week. And boy, do we have a lot to cover. And yeah. I hope you take a lot of notes, buddy, because you thought case three was complicated. Oh, <laughs> Oh, it only gets crazier. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's the thing. It's like, oh man, I, I just my my only hope for mm-hmm. this game is that they don't like they don't just introduce something new. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I uh, there's another thing that I I bring up. I I I'm I am almost positive that that that. 16th chair that was brought up in the first case right is going to be brought up again well of course yeah yeah seems obvious um and my 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 issue is is that i don't want this game to end on a oh it was this person all along who was completely in the background and you never saw them until the very end mm-hmm. you know i i just i i don't yeah, that, want that, that seems like a really bad cop-out yeah, I don't. Almost I don't want as bad as a dream sequence, and uh, let's let's hope that's not what it. But you know me, man. I don't. I don't recommend bad games. Yeah. If that was the twist, I don't think I would have recommended this game to you. So uh, safe to say, I, I won't see that. That's a that's a problem, right? I would love to like hype the ending and the actual final revelation of yeah. this game, but at the same time, I play this game without reading a single review. Yeah. Without knowing what it is, even. And I just played it. I was fresh. And nobody hyped this game up for me, and that's how I enjoyed it the most. Right. And I kind of want you to feel that way too. But so I won't say anything. But I do believe that you will enjoy it. Okay, that's that's just my hope. I I'm sure I will thoroughly enjoy this game. So uh, that that's all that really matters to me. I um that I I know that the the I started out this series only knowing. You really like these games when I proofed your reviews. Uh-huh. And now I'm like, okay, I'm kind of a fan of these games now. So I I am excited to see how this ends. I am excited to, when, when we finally get to it, play the second game. Um, and I, from what I understand, they're about to announce the, the proper third one. Oh, they soon. already announced the third one for PS, PS4 and PS Vita. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I can play on my PS4. Yeah. I am it, totally fine with it. PS4, PS. I think it's PS4, PS3, and Vita. Let me, I, I would have to double check, but it is definitely the the, the high consoles. Okay. But cool. yes, I am super super excited, man. We're gonna get 
a new Zero Escape game and a new Danganronpa game in the same year. That is amazing. Is the new Zero Escape going to be on PS4 as well? Uh, I think that's actually an entirely portable game. Vita okay. slash 2DS. Well, I mean, they do a lot with like the touchscreen stuff. They do. In they those do. Games. Yeah. I mean, regardless of the system, uh, I would play. That's like that's like those are the kind of games that sell systems to me. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the reasons. Virtuous Last Reward was actually one of the reasons why I picked up the Vita because I didn't have a 3DS and I like looked at which one I wanted to pick up. Right. And it felt it seemed like Virtuous Last Reward was better played on Vita, so I just got the Vita. All right. And that's that's one of the reasons why I got it. So that's I'm another really one. Excited. That's another one I haven't played. But uh, at least you're familiar with the series having finished 999. I, fu- I fucking, like, I was so enthralled with 999. I, I was like, I want to see what is going on here. Because it, those, like, this game and, and 999, they remind me of this. I mean, it's kind of like Saw a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 like, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the Saw movies. I've seen them all. Um, and yeah, yeah, sure. I've, I've watched them all. Um, but I like this whole, we're going to put you in this mysterious situation with complete strangers and you're just going to have to, it, it's, it's a multiple layered thing. Do I trust, right. do I trust these people that I'm with? All right. If I do trust these people, what the fuck is really going on, and how do I get out of here? You know, it, it's it's like it's like these multiple impossible situations that you're put in, and you wrap it around this big like mystery. I just fucking love that stuff. You know, I mean, and uh, I think those, those games, including this one, does what what they do well in sort in terms of storytelling is that they tell you enough mysteries. And they solve them along the way. They don't just save them all for the end. They solve them, but they also introduce new mysteries on top of it. As yeah. soon as they solve one, they'll ask two more. Yeah. And they'll just keep building upon the other ones. And none of the mysteries are insignificant. They always work towards something else. And that's a, that's that's kind of um, the telltale signs of a good story. It, it really gets you involved because you want to know what happens next. But at the same time, it keeps asking you these interesting questions that you hadn't thought of before. Or maybe you had, but it, the game actually didn't ask you until that moment. And then you kind of keep going and going and going. That's what a lot of like bad fiction, like keep asking questions without any answers repeatedly over and over again. Yeah. I was kind of like lost maybe. you know, like They just ask, ask you a bunch of questions and they give you like one answer per season. And but I absolutely loved Lost. And it's I not that great of writing. I'm sorry. Oh, I love that show. I'm I'm sorry, man. I stopped watching Lost at around season three, and then I just lost interest completely. Yeah, well, diff- different strokes, I guess. Yeah, I I fucking loved that that show. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> this this game's better written than Lost. <laughs> but, uh. <laughs> but anyway, I'm, like I said before, I'm really loving the fact that you're enjoying it, and dude, like for me to play this game again like this mm-hmm. after like years of not playing it uh, completely, that is. Um, it feels like I'm picking up a book, uh, one of my favorite books again, which I do from time to time, or watching a movie that I've seen before. I discover new things about it. Yeah. And on top of that, I re-remember things. Like sometimes, like I don't know what to do in certain situations, even though I know what the outcome is. Yeah. I don't know how to get there. Yeah. So I feel like I'm rediscovering these things, and it's uh, it's a fantastic experience. It's kind of like it. watching um your second viewing of um. Like I don't know an M Night Shyamalan movie, you know the Sixth Sense or something like that. Ugh. You you get to examine it from Ugh. from a different 
standpoint. You don't like the Sixth Sense? Really? No, I love the Sixth Sense, dude. I love Sixth Sense. I like the, I like Unbreakable and Science. But I just recently watched The Visit, so that's the. Uh. I have I have not seen The Visit. I uh, Drew, let me let me review the game, review the movie for you, okay? Okay. Uh. Did he did he actually direct that movie? Yeah, he did. He did. Okay, I thought he just produced it, kind of like how he did with Devil. Which, yo, yeah, trust me. I saw it in theaters and I was like, really? But, um. Put her side, man. Put her side down and up. It's the devil. Ah, Jesus, save my soul. It's so dumb. Yeah, it's so dumb. That was the thing. I was like, I used to love him, Mike Shalomar movies, because of how well he did twists and stuff. And then he just started doing cop outs. It started with Lady in the Water. Yeah, I could, I could, I could, I could. Do an hour podcast about M Night Shyamalan. I don't. I don't want to talk about him. Yeah. But don't watch the visit though. Don't go. Don't watch it. Okay. Maybe like download it illegally, <laughs> and then like watch it on the side. Like don't like actually watch it. Just like leave it on the background. Uh huh. And then do something else. That's right. about the attention that movie deserves. So yeah, like just do some laundry or dishes. Yeah, or do something. some laundry. Maybe like watch it like two minutes at a time, and then it's going back and forth. Don't even pause it. Just let it running. Yeah. That's that's the amount of respect that movie deserves. Okay. Okay, so just just putting that out there. All right, sounds like a glowing review. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's but, lucky out of the movie reviews. Yeah, but anyway, that's um that's pretty much it for us on this uh, episode. Uh, if you would like to send an email, uh, it's uh, Drew at ztgd.com. Uh, we'll read it on the show. Um, if you have any more um, thoughts on Danganronpa or any other thing that we've done, if you want to suggest some games to us, we're kind of stacked until. I don't know when, but um, you can always suggest games to us, and we'll we'll try to get to them. Um, you can uh, also follow us all on Twitter. I am at DML Fury. Uh, Jay is at Batusaj, and the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Um, I think that's about it. A new episode of Thunder in a Paradise. Uh, the first actual episode should yeah. be going up next week. Finally, Drew. Uh, yeah, um, Joel has is actually composing music for the podcast. You could you couldn't get John Williams though. I mean, come on, Drew. I mean, step it up. No, he, him and Hans Zimmer just won't answer my calls. Jeez, what a what a bunch of assholes they are. But yeah. um, luckily, I have Joel uh, as a uh, backup, and Fair uh, enough. Joel's actually a really good composer. He has made a couple of songs already that I've put into the background that sound really really good, and uh, I'm excited to share that with everybody. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, that hopefully that should go live sometime next week. So look forward to that. Um, look forward to us talking like idiots and I mean, uh, um, I, for one, will have that on the background while I'm playing like Diablo or something. Or yeah. It's going to be a good time. Me doing a bad accent. I swear to God, I, I was doing a merchant mm-hmm. and I, I think I t- changed accents on accident like three times. In, I hope you do. You guys do the most racist accents possible, so I can laugh along. I'll be honest with you, Alan. Kind of backed down from that. He, Aww, yeah, he, he was it. like he was totally on board with like doing a Hispanic accent for his luchador, and then he's like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna try." I'm like, "Damn it!" But at the same time, I'm like, "I understand." <laughs> it's probably for the better, but I'm still disappointed. I am too. But yeah, we had we had a great time, and uh, we we have scheduled our next play session. So. Um, Hopefully, uh, we'll get a couple of episodes in in the next. I'm I'm hoping we can get 
three episodes in before the end of the year. So, I mean, I, I'm trying to make it a monthly show, mm-hmm. um, but you know, uh, we're, we're starting off. It's hard to get people involved. It's hard to get people together. And then I'm, I'm a little slow in getting the first episode. We've had the first episode recorded three weeks um, and I've been waiting on Joel to make music for it. Um, he's, 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 I mean, he's a dad, he's a husband. It's kind of hard for him to sit down and just write music. Um, but he's, he's doing a great job and I commend him for it and he's coming up with some great stuff. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that. But yeah, that's, um, that's pretty much it for us. I appreciate everybody listening. I hope you guys have a great week. Uh, we will be back next week to finish off Danganronpa. But until then, I am Drew. I'm Jay. And we are out of here. Uh, you guys have a good one. And we will be back to finish off this thrilling conclusion. Danganronpa, Trigger Happy Habitat.